This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday morning. Oh, thank goodness it's Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday. Do you think we might have some decent stories today to bring you? No. Will there be a lot of depression? Yes. Not so good if you work for Tesco. Uh, having finally admitted the fact that they've copped it up big time, they're going to close 43 stores. You might think that sounds absolutely disastrous. But these are the little Tesco Expresses, which don't do much business anyway, so they're going to close those and shed a 1,000 staff. But I should imagine Tesco have got... I wouldn't like to imagine how many staff they've got. Thousands and thousands. Uh, the village where 17,000 people were caught speeding in six days. Can't believe it, can you really? Sally the Burke is out of the jump, thank God for that. And uh, Angelina Jolie gets to meet the Pope. William Hague one minute, Pope the next. And we weave in all your texts and emails, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So we've got everything with us this morning. We've got the uh, the water, we've got the cup of coffee, we've got the uh, the satsumas, and, um, and we found a facial for you as well. If you're feeling really rich after Christmas, this is apparently... It's always a load of old bunkum, isn't it, really? This is um, a facial that's got real gold, and apparently it's 260 quid. So it's obviously not that much gold. It's obviously just very thin little bits of, uh, of gold leaf. And to be honest with you, there's no proven fact that gold is any, any use to putting on your skin. You might as well sort of stick your head in a puddle, I should imagine, if you've really got to. But people like it, don't they? People like spending money. If somebody says, you know, there is a fantastic way and your skin is going to look absolutely brilliant, and you go, wow, that's amazing, absolutely amazing, I'll go for that. How much? 260 quid. In fact, I'm sure even if you said it was £1,000, people would still go for it. They'd go for the £1,000 because they like the idea that the more you spend, it must be the miracle. It's like people who stick toupees on their heads. You know, lovely for them. But to be honest with you, no, nothing's ever worked. Frank Sinatra had a dead ferret on his head. Elton John's had one on there for years now. Looks like a dead hamster. And, um, and even old Brucey, he had something. Because there is no such thing, you know, that it doesn't matter what they say. Oh, we can take the hair from here and put it on here. It never looks right. That's why even people with all the money... You know, do you seriously believe that Elton John, with all his millions you know, would really want to stick a dead piece of acrylic on his head. No, he'd want to actually be growing hair, but of course it doesn't happen. It can't happen. It's not physically possible. The only way, apparently, to grow hair is castration. A little bit dramatic, I realise, but there you go. It's an option for you. It's an option. Uh, the papers are still full of uh, the last stand, the terror in Paris, the hunt. They will find them. And they will be mown down in a hail of bullets. I know, and I know exactly. I've seen this before. The French police, have you seen them? They go out there. They look like something at a robocop. They're not wasting any time. Put it this way, two of their members have been shot dead. They're looking for revenge. They're looking for revenge. They're going to go out there. And one of them was a woman. Having been told earlier by these two pathetic wastes of space, these little terror suspects, one of whom, it turns out, did drugs and alcohol and everything else, so not a very good person at all, is he? They're also ugly which doesn't help matters. And, uh, and then they go into a garage and they nick petrol and everything else. They're going to die. They're going to, whichever way you look at it, they're going to die. It's as simple as that. They're not going to, you know, take them into cut. The French police don't work like that. They'll just go, oh, terribly sorry, there they are, in the house. We're coming in, bombs, whatever it is. They'll blow them to pieces. But, of course, by that time, these two girls' blouses, because that's what they are, uh, will have killed themselves with a bit of luck and done the decent thing. Embarrassment to everybody. Pathetic, isn't it, really? But anyway, here they are. Uh, they reckon they're holed up in a wooded area. I mean, they're going to find them. You see, France is... If somebody turns up in a little village in France, people know about it. Because they're all tiny. It's not like here, where you could lose somebody. 
in this country, and they could disappear off the off the radar for about, I would think, seven to ten years. Easily. Easily. You know, there's all sorts of people here. What did they stop? Some woman a short while ago. And um, she was uh, she was stopped by... Who stopped? Oh, some cop stopped her. It's one of these interceptor-type programmes. And you know I adore them. I absolutely love these. Pro- I, w- I want to be a policeman, I've decided. I want to go out there and stop people in cars. Only what I want to do is I want to uh, crush the car in front of them. Anyway, she's driving, and this lying old bag, she's got kids in the back of the car. I'm just picking them up, taking them to school for my sister. All oh, right. Your, your, your sister. Yes, these are my sister's children and all the rest of it. And so uh, the copper, he quite clearly didn't believe a word she's saying. And of course, quite rightly so, because she's a lying old, old witch. And uh, she sits there and she brazens out, trying to pretend that she's got a twin sister. Well, of course, she hasn't. She also has no driving licence. And then she does the, uh, the oh, I don't know, I was... And I'm thinking, shoot her. <laughs> you know, these people should be taken out and shot. That's, that's the Steve Allen answer to everything nowadays. Take them out, shoot them with sort of a gun which has got, which has got beetroot juice in it. I like the idea of having beetroot juice because it stains so badly, you'll never get rid of it. And, uh, and she did the whole lying thing. It went on for about 20 minutes. And, you know, she's getting herself into more trouble. It turns out no licence, no insurance, no nothing. And eventually, they well, you have to walk. So they get out, get her a minicab. The copper was really nice to her. I wouldn't have been so nice, I'm afraid. She was quite clearly a compulsive liar. She knew she was a liar. And she's lying in front of the children. She then phones what she laughingly calls her husband at home. Oh, he's going to be so upset and all this, you know. And oh, Does your sister know you've got the car? Yes, but, you know, this... And You're lying through your teeth, woman. Lying through your teeth. Anyway, she was exposed as the fraud that she is. And there's thousands... It turned out she was illegal. She's not even supposed to be here. And there are thousands of these people, thousands of them, you know, and you never find them. I think one person was stopped and they, they, they should have gone back 10 years ago. So you can live here. In France, it's somewhat different. They can find people. You go through France. It's very sweet. You know, you drive through France and everybody speaks French and, and they, you know, garlic and wine and stuff like that. But they're little tiny communities. So if somebody new comes into the area, they know about it. They know about it very quickly. That's why these blokes will be found quite quickly and there will be a shootout and they'll end up doing the decent thing and killing themselves. Which, of course, denies you the right to a, a decent trial. But why should you want to look after somebody like that? Why on earth would you want to look after, you know, two people who've committed so many murders? For no reason. For no reason. All this, all this guff they give you about, you know, they were avenging Mohammed. They're nothing to do with Mohammed. They're nothing to do with the Prophet Mohammed. They're nothing to do with Muslims. Nothing to do with anybody. They're just operating because they're pathological murderers. That's what they do. They just want to go out and kill people. There's no other reason for it. They don't have any sort of agenda apart from being a bit thick and stupid. But thick and stupid over there means that you've got some AK-47s. You know, which is slightly dangerous. Of course, I'm always amazed that they actually... What do people think in their block of flats where they live? They were going to a fancy dress party. As they walk out, you know, with their masks on and everything else. Didn't people go, um, I think we need to call the police now. One of them, as you know from yesterday, was known to the police. The police could have stopped it if they'd really wanted to. One woman let them into the offices because they threatened to kill her daughter. And so they've obviously done a bit of research. But at the end of the day, you know, I think it will have the conclusion that we're looking for. Although not... The, uh, the revenge that the families of those people who lost their lives were probably looking for. They probably want to see them in court. They probably want to see, you know, some sort of retribution. They're not going to get it. They're not going to get what? Yes, do you want to come and do the... T- come on, come and do the text. I've got the thing here. I'm, I, I know what I'm doing with the... Uh, I've got my... Um, I've got my... 
uh, emails up here. What I normally have at the top, Beth, is on a top bar there, I normally have text and email, and then emails the other side, and I flip between the two screens, but I don't know where it comes from. So I've signed on for the emails, we've got that, and somewhere down there, there are the, um, those things, that's what, Christo went onto that screen, I don't think he knew what he was doing, I think he was colouring in, to be honest with you. He sort of faffed around with it a few times, oh, that's nice, that's Burley, isn't it? Or, the, or some switch, that I don't know. Just bear, bear with us at the moment, see, that, that's what I want, but I want it, oh, there it is, oh, look, that's clever, isn't it, over there. And then at the top, I should have two things. So I've got that on one side and the Steve Allen emails on the other. No, so you can move it over there. But the, but the bar at the top should have Steve Allen's emails on there as well. Oh, right, so we need to sign on again, do we? Oh, right, OK. OK, I can manage that. Oh, it's still signed on to James O'Brien, who owes me a bottle of port still. I don't want to have to go on about this port, but you know, you know we had a problem at Christmas. I only mentioned it because I, I woke up worrying about it this morning. And... Um, and at Christmas time, Duncan Barks and I always exchange booze. He gives me a bottle of wine. I give him a bottle of wine or port or something like that. And it turns out that I gave him port. Nice bottle of port as well. Bottle of Taylor's. 30-year-old port. But unfortunately, I put it in the wrong pigeonhole. And it went into James O'Brien's pigeonhole. But I didn't know that. It, it, James O'Brien is there and then underneath it is Duncan. So I put it in the wrong one. James O'Brien takes it home. He takes it home. It's not even addressed to him. He takes it home. And so when I saw him the other day, I said, you've got a bottle of uh, port. Because I checked with the producer to make sure that it was that, he, that he'd definitely taken it, you know, before I took it to court. And, um, and so I saw him the other day and I said, oh, I said, you, you've got... Oh, wait a minute, it's not even letting me sign on now. Wait a minute. Uh, 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 uh. So I have a feeling... No, it's not going to let me sign on because I think I'm already signed on to the email. So I don't know what, what to do with it now. I'm now I'm now slumped, confused by it. Wait a minute. So if I if I cancel, oh, I cancel. Yes, I've, I've still got them up there, but I now need them at the top because it's gone back to what it said before, which is a bit confusing. So um, so anyway, so I said to his producer, Michael, I said, did he take home a bottle of port? And he went, yes. I said, but it wasn't his. I couldn't quite understand. You know, if somebody put a million pounds in there, quite clearly it's not yours. Or if somebody parks their car on your drive, does that mean that you can keep the car? No. So I said to him when he came in, I said, oh, I said, you, you've got a, a bottle of port. He said, oh, right. He didn't seem particularly bothered about the fact that he'd taken it home at all. And so I said, do you want to bring it back in? He said, well, I'll see if I can find it. I thought, what are you running, a wine distillery at home? I said, what do you mean, see if you can find it? It's a bottle of Taylor's Port. I shouldn't imagine you've got it. He said, how much was it? So I told him, 66 quid for a bottle. It's a nice bottle, a 30-year-old port. And, uh, and I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for him to bring it back. What would be easier? Because I think he's re-gifted it. I think he's wrapped it up and given it to somebody else. Because I don't think he's the sort of person who would buy port. And uh, he might as well just give me the money. Just put 66 quid in an envelope, leave it in my pigeonhole. It's not complicated, is it? But so far, it's not arrived. So I might have to contact the producer again today and say, still waiting for either my bottle of Taylor's port back, because it's mine, and he knows it's mine, uh, or failing that, just put £66 in an envelope. Give it to the producer, Mike, and he can give it to me. Because believe you me, this one ain't going away anytime soon, as you can well imagine. Oh, good news for you. Good news. Uh, hottest winter day for 20 years and then snow. Now, the reason I mention snow is because we haven't had snow yet and they say it's around the corner. Oh, good. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari and the team at seven this morning, the latest on the shootings in Paris. He'll be speaking to a survivor of London's 7-7 bombings to ask how do you recover from such an event long after the scars have healed. And rapist Ched Evans has issued an apology. Well, sort of. Does he have a right to work? Nick will be joined in the studio by David Cameron's speechwriter, 
Claire Foges as she reviews the day's papers. And that's all happening after the morning news with Lisa Aziz this morning. 84850, steve at uk. So, uh, Angelina Jolie gets to meet the Pope. Honestly, one minute, you know, we've got um, William Hague fawning over her like she's some major Hollywood player. And the next minute, we've got the Pope as well. And um, I can't quite understand it. Perhaps, perhaps it assures her of a place in heaven. I don't know. It's not up to me. I haven't had an audience with the Pope. I, quite, I don't know what I'd say to him, actually. Don't you get bored wearing white? You know, wouldn't you like to go out in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt with I am the Pope written on it? You know, that'd be the kind of thing. You expect them to let their hair down a little bit, but you know damn well that their life is so mapped out, poor souls, that when they die, they're going to be displayed for three days in the Vatican. And uh, they're going to be lying there with new shoes on, which looks great. It does look great, but, I mean, that's that's the end of your life. That is the end of your life. It's a shame, really. You, you devote yourself. I don't have a problem with people devoting themselves. Daz reckons, why don't you wait till next Thursday, then ring James O'Brien's Mystery Hour and ask him where your bottle of port is. That's a good idea, isn't it? Yes. All he's got to do is come up with the money. It's not complicated, is it? I wouldn't mind, but he's constantly telling me how many other bits of work he's got and things like that. So, Ched Evans and his naff girlfriend, and I'm sorry to call her naff because I can't bear her. I cannot bear her. She's wearing somebody else's hair on her head. She looks ludicrous. She looks like an old woman before her time. And he's finally said sorry. Well, sort of. This is three years, seven months after he raped a girl and went to prison for it. And uh, now, as I predicted the other day, what did I say? He ain't going to be going to Oldham Athletic. I said there is no way that they're going to be signing him. They might have done, but then they had to do a back turn and go, no, £2,500 a week for a convicted rapist. I don't think so, Mr Evans. I don't think so. I couldn't care less what happens to him. I'm really not remotely bothered. He doesn't care what happened to the girl that he raped. He sort of finally said a, a sort of thing. But it's too little, too late. He says... Uh, I wish to make it clear that I wholeheartedly apologise for the effect that night in Rill has had on many people, not least the woman concerned. He can't even say her name. And yet she's been exposed by his so-called supporters all over the internet. Had to move five times. You know, perhaps you, perhaps you now know what it's like, Mr Evans, to be hunted by the press. You're not going to be working again. And, um, you know, this, this, this apology, poor, poor mate, very poor, I'm afraid, not quite good enough. But he is going to the Criminal Cases Review Commission, and uh, we'll wait and see. But as far as I'm concerned, at the moment, he stands as being a convicted rapist. That's it. If the, if, the, if the court case comes out and they say something different, well, fair enough, they say something different. Have you heard of Matthew Gravel? I don't know. There's a two-page spread on this bloke in the paper, Broadchurch killer Matthew Gravel, being the most hated man in Britain. It's OK, but it does mess with your mind. Who is he? Who is he? He's, I thought... He says... I wore a wig and glasses so people wouldn't spot me filming the new series. I'm so sorry. Who are you? He's in Broadchurch. So? Being the most hated man in Britain. I've never even heard of you. Never even heard of you. Is this Broadchurch? Murder. You know, I mean, who cares? The most hated man in Britain. I think you're suffering from delusions, dear. I've never heard of you. Never heard of you. I'm not sure about the um, the teaching assistant who taped a girl to a chair who's walked free from court. They've decided not to send her to prison. Um, and the mum is furious. You can imagine, can't you? Mum furious. Mind you, I tell you what, some of these mums, you know, they have no idea what their little treasures are like when they're in class. They go, oh, they're, are they sweet? Are they lovely? No, they're not. Foul-mouthed. Disgusting. I wouldn't want to be a teacher in this day and age, not for all the tea in China. Rachel Reagan, who was earlier found guilty of child cruelty, got a 12-month community order and 40 hours unpaid work. 
And uh, the mother of this girl of seven spoke out angrily. Shocked at the apparent leniency, the girl's mother, who can't be named, says, I don't think this punishment fits what she did. What do you think? Hanging, dear? What would you like? What would you like for that one? She taped her to a chair because quite clearly she was naughty. She says, I can't get my head around what's happened. She was sellotaped to a chair, dear. Get over yourself, for God's sake. Honestly. What is it? I can't quite get to grips with what's happened. She was sellotaped to a chair. Oh, blimey. She used the tape as part of a five-month campaign, which began in 2012. The court heard the girl was locked in a storeroom, had her shoes tied to her feet and was goaded with a biscuit. I know, you can't help but smile, can't you? Goaded with a biscuit. Ooh, look, biscuit. Biscuit. And then she wasn't actually locked in a room. The door was open. It, you know, they, they made it sound like it was in a prison cell or something like that. And she was fed bread and water. Apparently, she had humiliated the girl. But to be honest with you, I mean, I don't know the case and I'm not really that interested. All I know is she's not been sent to prison. And obviously the mum's a little bit fed up with that. You know, she thinks perhaps she should have been taken out there and publicly executed for what she's done to her little treasure. I'd like to find out, actually, on all these things, but you can't find out. It'd be lovely to find out, you know, just, just what sort of little goody two-shoes her little seven-year-old is. Because somewhere in the back of my mind is that cynical side. And it's, um, and it, it's sort of saying, I bet she ain't all that. I bet she's a bit of a troublesome one in the court. In the, in the court. In the, in the classroom. And then I had a bit of a laugh today. The 3am girls takes three of them to cobble together some chronically awful column. Gemma Collins they say, is up for her own TV show. She's welcomed the cameras into her boutique. Oh, you're working, are you, love? Well, that'll be nice. Nice to see you doing something for a change. Apparently, uh, Gemma's show will be focused on giving fashion and beauty tips to women. I'm so sorry. There's a show for fat people out there now. Isn't that great that you've got your own show? It would have been better, actually, had she done a diet programme. I'd have been happier. Anyway, the good news is that this, this piece of... Um, this piece of rubbish in the paper from the 3am girls, uh, it is just that. It's a piece of rubbish. She hasn't got a show. They're filming a pilot. But as you know, Gemma Collins can't string two words together. Because she sounds like a little girl. A bit like Amy Child. Most of the girls in Essex who feature on the television seem to have something the matter. They seem to have speech impediments. They either speak like little tiny people like that, or they, they can't actually sort of do it. And little Gemma Collins, who's 33, and that's just around her neck, um, is sort of, she can't, she can't speak either. And so they say she can give fashion tips. What fashion tip could God in heaven she give to anybody at all, apart from stuff yourself at KFC and McDonald's? What fashion tip has she got? She's got no fashion tips at all. Nothing. They say here she decided to donate her celebrity fee to those who are actually starving. It's going to a charity for starving children, she says. Which one, Gemma? We're still waiting, love. Still waiting. Don't want to push you too much on it. Apparently, she says she has no plans to leave the uh, the ITV hit that made her famous. She's not famous. She's just the fat, ugly bird who's foul-mouthed. The language is atrocious. I'm sorry, there's nothing about her that's interesting. They say here, she says, uh, now I do think I'm beautiful. No, you're not. You're fat. You're fat and useless. Fat and useless. And nobody's interested in the programme. It's a pilot, love. If it goes any further, I'll eat the studio. Better start preparing to cut the studio up. It might go somewhere. They might just sort of try her one. But, I mean, who can honestly trust somebody who's got no experience of anything at all? She doesn't know anything. She can't draw, write, speak, can't keep a boyfriend. She's just disgusting. I remember when she did that famous Arge thing when he cheated on her. Because, let's face it, you wouldn't actually want to go out with Gemma Collins at all. You're hardly going to take her home to meet your mother, are you? By the way, Mum, this is... Whoa, she's eating the shed. I do beg your pardon. Here she is, Gemma. And this, this Gemma, OK, this is my mother, this is my father... And this is a normal meal, OK? I know it looks like it's all for you, but it isn't. 
you know, I'd be happy if she made a fitness DVD, but as, as we all know, she's just a lardy. She can't do anything about it. Actually, talking of lardies, talking of lardies, they had um, that couple in the paper again today. You know the couple who got married the other too fat to work? Too bone idle. They just sit down and stuff their face with things, and they're going to go to a boot camp. It turns out he's a liar. There's a big surprise. A man who hasn't worked in God knows how long, because I'm too fat, I can't work, and everything else. Loads of other fat people work. I've got to produce a will during the week. He's fat. And he works. He gets up, he goes up and down stairs. He's carrying a bit of weight on him. I'm carrying a bit of... We work. It's all these fat lardies, isn't it? Well, I can't work. Why can't you work, love? Oh, not well. I've got diabetes. I've got diabetes. I come into work. Will's got all sorts of illnesses. He did go to the gym the other day. He went. To, I, I personally think he was fitting a lock on it or something like that. I think he got to the door and it was... Oh, lucky it's closed. Anyway, and then he went home again. Had some toast and sort of thought better of it. But, uh, you know, it's these people in the papers. They go, I earn 24000 a year and I'm not working and you're paying for it. Ha, 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 ha. I want to go around there and liposuction them and go, there you go, you're thin. Now get out there and work. Now get out there and do something. People get up all the time. You know, there's people listening to this programme at the moment who've got out of bed. They've got themselves ready. They're going to work. And some fat lardy like him is stuffing his big fat face. He's been married six times. Why do you think that is, ladies and gentlemen? Because he's ugly. You know, I think if you're ugly, you have to marry six times. And the latest one, have you seen her? She's a looker. Whoa, my goodness me, I tell you. She could qualify for the ugly agency all by herself. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We do weave everything in, which is very nice. You know, we, we try and try and do things. Uh, surely the only advice Gemma Collins could give us is the best place to buy a tent from. Um, no, no, no. The best advice she could give is where you get cheap kebabs. Because you remember, she, she did a thing a short while ago. They, they've tried on the programme, but of course, as we know, she stuffs her face. She's got a small car. You watch her trying to get in and out of it. It's hilarious. Apparently in Brentwood, it's almost, a, it's almost an event. She's coming. She's coming. She's going to try and get out. Wait a minute. She's parked. She's parked. OK. Watch her. Watch it. She's trying to get out of the car. She's trying to get out of the car. That's what they do in Brentwood. It's become an event now. Watching Gemma Collins get out of the car. Because she's lardy. She's bad enough with clothes on. You know, without them on. Woo! Scary, I should imagine. Very scary. Uh, another one here. It says, my aunt was a seamstress for m in the 40s. All the garments were UK made. Well, not now. Why would they make them here? Can't make them for that price here. They make them abroad. The quality has definitely gone down in Marks and Spencers. And I speak as a Marks and Spencers customer. I don't speak because quite clearly it's the only place that can fit people like me. But uh, I speak as a Marks and Spencers customer. The quality of their stuff has deteriorated. I don't mind paying for it. And it all started with the toilet rolls and the sausages. And that's how it started. I remember I used to buy their little tiny cocktail sausages. And they used to be, you know, pork sausage, really nice little pork sausages. You could do them and have them with some mashed potato and some gravy and some beans or whatever it happened to be. And uh, then the quality went off and it was noticeable overnight. It was like eating sawdust inside a, a sausage skin. It's disgusting. So I stopped buying them. And then the toilet paper, which was quite pretty with Fleur de Lis on, you know, not that I think it makes a difference, but, you know, if you're going to treat yourself, you might as well treat yourself to Fleur de Lis. And it became thinner and thinner and thinner because they were, they were cutting costs. Then you go in there now. The first thing I do, if I'm looking for shirts, I feel the quality. Cheap material, I'm not touching. You know, and they're expecting you to pay £35 for a shirt. So that's why people are not shopping at M&S anymore. The quality is not there. And if they don't realise it, they're incredibly stupid. Because I, I've been a customer since God knows when. Not just for the food, but the clothes as well. Get my socks there, my pants there, everything. But the quality is not there. In the clothing for men, I don't know what it's like in the ladies' department, but in the men's department, it's blooming terrible. It really is. Time check for you. It's 4.30. <laughs> 
Morning, everybody. Uh, nice to have you company. It's Steve. It's Friday. All I can tell you is, come on, let's smile. Let's be happy because today is Friday. And also, let's smile as well because next Tuesday, I've got a photo session. They're redoing the LBC presenters' photos, and I've got to have mine done on Tuesday. The other side of London in some studio. I think I've been to this studio before. The funny thing is, at the very end of it, they said hair and makeup will be provided. What sort of hair? What sort of hair? Will you have a choice of toupees that they could pop on your head? So I can look like sort of, you know, I don't know, Bruce Forsyth or Elton John or somebody like that. Hair and makeup will be provided. How exciting is that? So next Tuesday morning at 9.30, I go to have a new picture taken. I mean, how, how quickly can I lose weight between now and next Tuesday? If I, if I stay off drink today, what's today? Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Four days off booze. That, that might make some difference. I'll have to go and find a shirt in Marks and Spencer's. Ah, easier said than done. Easier said than done. Uh, that's like finding a peanut allergy. And I've got a friend, Sean, who's uh, a very famous radio presenter and he's a voiceover artist and everything else. And he's got a peanut allergy. He's, got an, he's, he's allergic to nuts. And in fact, only recently, within the past few years, did they start putting it on menus in restaurants so people knew about it. But there's a schoolboy here called Daniel Leverton, who's 11, and his family who warned American Airlines about his potential, potentially fatal condition before it flew them to Florida on Boxing Day. But they were barred from their return flight ten days later by boarding staff at Fort Myers. Daniel's mum, Judith, said it was ridiculous. We were told to get a doctor's letter to prove Daniel wouldn't die on the flight. Um, the airline said they do need confirmation that Daniel is fit to fly for safety reasons. Absolutely. And I have to I have to stay with the airline on this one. I normally wouldn't worry about it because, you know, on the airlines, they give you peanuts. They give you a little packet of peanuts and um, they, they, they want a guarantee from a doctor. So they flew him out. But obviously they're going, wait a minute, if he's if he's serious peanut allergy and they've told us about it. We want to see a medical certificate. In the same way that I have to get medical insurance to go abroad because of diabetes. I have to tell them how bad it is, and that's when they bump the price up. I think we'd get royally ripped off by all the insurance companies. So this uh, this particular boy, uh, they had to pay for two days hotel stay before flying home after contacting a doctor. Because you go to the doctor and you get a letter. And the doctor will say, yes, I passed this person fit for travelling. American Airlines, they're not going to risk that at all. I mean, they're really not. I thought the family would have known that. I'm, I'm slightly surprised that if you've got a son who's got a peanut allergy and you've made or you've warned the airline company about his allergy, then the least you can do is get a letter from the doctor saying he is fit to travel. He's able to travel. They don't want somebody dying on their flight, do they? What do you do with them? You know, you just sort of cover them over with a blanket, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. Is there a place to put them? You can't put them with the pilot. He doesn't want a person sitting behind him. I can remember years ago in this top West End show, Phantom of the Opera, just as it started, as it was about to start, a man died upstairs in his seat. But they couldn't hold the show up, so they literally lifted him out of his seat and put him in the, uh, in the fire escape until the ambulance arrived to come and take him. Because if you're in a West End show, what do you do? You can't sit there going, terribly sorry, we can't do the show because somebody's died. You know, I mean, I suppose his family would then have to get the money back on the seat because he hadn't used it. But as he had sat in it originally, he probably didn't get the money back either. So, no, I'm, I'm with the airline on this one. I didn't think I would be, but I am. I am. I, th- I thought I was going to be a little bit, you know, well, come on, you know, it can't be much fun if you've got a peanut allergy. Oh, um, Chloe, um, Chloe Sims. All right, all right. Have you heard her speak? Do you know, honestly, there must be something about these people. Have they been to elocution classes? Anyway, uh, Chloe Sims, that's the old bag in, uh, in the Anyways Essex, and Elliot Wright have split again. 
What does he do for a living? Does he do anything? Or is he just... Is he a complete plank? Apparently, uh, they broke up in October after Elliot was caught cheating. Oh, didums. Poor little Elliot, honestly. Nothing worse than an ageing Lothario. As I was only saying to Callum Best the other day. Look how old he looks and how dull he is. Have you seen him on the uh, the so-called Celebrity Big Brother thing? What a boring person. I'm surprised he pulls women, but there again, the sort of women he pulls probably aren't that fussy about who they're sleeping with. And, um, and, his, and his claim to fame is... Um, he doesn't have a claim to fame. He bedded Sarah Harding, apparently, and uh, Lindsay Lohan and Jodie Marsh. <laughs> Hardly A-list, is it? Hardly A-list. Uh, other stories, the papers. I don't want to go into the... The dreadful pictures of the atrocity in the uh, the offices. The uh, the photographs say it all. Although one of the people says they said they spared me as I was a woman, yet they had no no difficulty in shooting dead that uh, that female police officer in France. Uh, the weather. So you get up a very hot winter's day, and then it's going to snow. And they've said it could be quite bad. Now I have warned people about this before. Uh, they reckon mainly northern areas. Sorry about that, northern areas, but it's your own fault for living up there. If you live down here, you could you could bask in sunshine. Yesterday was beautiful. Yesterday was absolutely beautiful. It was one of those days where it was sort of miserable in the morning, and I got a bit wet because I didn't take an umbrella. Today I've got an umbrella, but it's a new umbrella. A friend of mine bought me for Christmas. It's a colour-changing umbrella. And it's got pictures of raindrops on it, and apparently they all change colour when it gets wet. I haven't actually put it to the test. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to, to trying So if it rains today when I walk out the building, I can, I can put my umbrella up. But if, if you see a poor, sad, slightly overweight figure huddling down the road, looking a bit like an overweight Paddington bear with an umbrella, which colour changes, it's me. <laughs> but I tell you that now, just in case. I know what people are like, you know, too frightened to approach me. Oh, I, I would be too frightened to approach me as well. Even I look so. I tend to find if people get too close to me, I start dribbling. And start making it, where's my hamster? And people go, oh, God, he's mad. Mad as a broomstick. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Oh, well done to uh, to Frankie and Wayne Bridge. Yes, Frankie, uh, Frankie Sanford as was. Remember? Rehab, in, out, in, out, in gutter, down, up, in rehab. Anyway, she's apparently, she's had to pull out of, um, of, the, of the dancing because she's uh, expecting their second child. How fantastic. Hope the work continues to come in, dear. You know, if it doesn't, you're going to be a bit screwed, aren't you, on that one, too? But anyway, she said, I was looking so bored seeing everybody again. So you had unprotected sex to get yourself pregnant. Obviously, you weren't looking forward to it that much, were you? <laughs> you must think we're really blooming stupid, actually, love. You really must. Victoria Beckham does smile. I've got a picture of Victoria Beckham smiling. So I'd mention that now, just in case people thought that Victoria Beckham didn't smile. And, uh, and somebody says the rape apology, obviously written him... Uh, for Chad Evans by some PR girl, not his words, therefore not his apology. Well, to be honest with you, I think they're now trying to do damage limitations. But unfortunately, in the case of Ched Thicko, convicted rapist Evans, it's too little too late. You cannot apologise after this amount of time. The woman who was raped has had to go through hell. She's had to move five times. She's had abuse heaped on her. She's had death threats. She's had all sorts of things, you know, and so far he said nothing. Now, finally, when it all collapses at Oldham uh, Athletic, you know that he's going to have to say something. So somebody writes it for him. I mean, do you think he believes it? No, the girlfriend looks like she couldn't give a stuff. But as I say, she just looks slightly odd anyway. There's something odd about these sort of... I don't know where she comes from, I've got no idea. But uh, she's obviously been out and thought, perhaps I could be beautiful if I put extra hair in my head. And so she's had too much hair put in there, which now makes her look ridiculous. She looks so stupid and she's going... He's wearing a puffer jacket because it's quite cold outside. She's just wearing sort of like a bloke shirt. 
But uh, slightly odd. But obviously, he, did, he didn't rate her all that much. He'd be cheated on her. So uh, perhaps she hasn't kind of worked that one out for herself. You never know, do you? Uh, Dean says, I see they've dragged all the mingers back onto the Take Me Out show. No likey, no lighty. Have you seen it? I quite like the programme, but by God, there's some uglies. These are people who couldn't pull if it was a blind competition. Seriously. I mean, they're just dreadful. One of them, she's somebody's sister, isn't she? I think from The Only Wears Essex. It's some poor old crow in The Only Wears Essex. And her sister's gone on it. How desperate do you have to be? I think if any poor girl has to go on to take me out, you really can't pull at all, can you? You really are. You'd probably have to get yourself drunk and throw yourself at people to get any interest. But the programme's hilarious. I mean, the blokes make me laugh to start with. You know, and I, I do like Paddy. I've always liked Paddy. Don't know why. I just, I just, you know, no likey, no lighty. You know, and I, I think that's good. I mean, I'd be flipping all the lights off in it. Uh, there's a story of the crime boss in the papers today. This is a policeman. His name's Osman Iqbal. Uh, he's 37. He was an emergency response officer. I don't, I don't know what that is. I just have to take somebody's word for it. An emergency response officer is a policeman. He earns 25,000 a year. Colleagues slightly disturbed when he turned up in a Ferrari worth £170,000. And, of course, I don't know where this was. I think this was in Birmingham or Warwick or somewhere like that. Um, nobody twigged to it. They said, so he's driving in. He's, he's on twenty five grand a year. And nobody questions why he's driving a £170,000 Ferrari. Because he's bent. Because he's bent. He was... Um, uh, he was laundering hundreds of thousands of pounds for a chauffeur business. And he was linked to a crime gang which ran brothels and sold drugs in posh areas of London. I'm sorry, a brothel in London? Oh, please, where? Ridiculous. Ibkal and an armed robber led the gang which picked up rich clients from strip bars, offering them drugs and women. Anyway, they sent him to prison for ten years. <laughs> Think on there, pretty boy. They're going to love you inside. But apparently he... Um, he made unauthorised attempts to access police intelligence systems on behalf of a religious leader in Birmingham. Oh, dear. Dear me, dear me, dear me. I don't know. Uh, who's this? Oh, God, you're not going to like this story. I'm surprised. Actually, this, this is one that, um, that I think uh, Christo would have had some fun with today. This is a UKIP councillor who's been kicked out of the party. This is Roseanne Duncan for allegedly saying she had a problem with Negroes. I mean, you can't believe in this day and age that somebody would actually ever make a comment if they're in a position like that. It was apparently during a TV programme that's not been shown. The BBC and UKIP refused to reveal what was said. Miss Duncan, 68, made the alleged comments in a film about UKIP in the Kent constituency of South Thanet, where Nigel Farage will bid to become an MP in May. Uh, former Tory uh, Miss Duncan claimed, denied being a racist, claiming she had many Asian shopkeeper and business friends. That's the old argument, isn't it, really? I can't be racist. I know lots of coloured people. You know, I can't be homophobic. Some of my best friends are puffs. You know, it's that kind of thing. It, does, it just doesn't kind of wash with me at all, I'm afraid. I'm far too cynical. I've, I've got more cynical the older I become, thank goodness. What's the point of sitting there on the fence, ladies and gentlemen? But however, the one thing I do have an issue with is internet trolls. As far as I'm concerned, we should take them all out and drown them. You know, you only get, you, you get the one shot... If you target somebody, I believe somebody at the uh, at Oldham Athletic has been targeted by somebody who said they were going to rape them. 
You know, very similar to the Chloe Maidley story, which didn't seem to have any legs with it at all. And as far as I know, the police aren't following up anything. The police have had no complaints, incidentally, from Oldham Athletic on this one. But somebody said there was a death threat made, and they said that if Ched Evans was signed to the club, they would come around and rape somebody, as if that's ever going to happen. Now, people like that, I believe you find, and you throw them into prison, preferably on some island where there's nothing there apart from big brown bears who get very hungry. You know, just to make it more interesting. And you give the bears the key to the cell. You know, that makes it more interesting. Will the bear manage to work out how to open the cell to get at the food inside it? Which is the internet troll. Quarter to five. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. This is what everybody tunes into in the morning. Why? Because we're telling the truth. Why? Because we're telling it exactly like it is. You don't need to lie about anything. don't need to lie about anything at all. We just tell you, you know, if somebody's fat, we tell you they're fat. OK? It's as simple as that. Somebody's ugly, we tell you they're ugly. What's the, there's no point in saying, oh, you're really beautiful. You're re-. I remember saying to my mother once, she didn't think I'm good looking. She looked at me, she went, it was so silly. Went into deep depression after that. Deep depression. Noreen says, I only realised yesterday it was six years since Dave D died. Do you remember Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch? Here on my way. Oh, I love Dave D, Dozy, Beaky. And he came in to do an in-conversation. And I remember it. Funny, actually, Noreen r- reminded me of it. Because halfway through the conversation... We were talking about, you know, being around in the 60s and having all those hits and everything else. And he said, um, he said, because he's, he said, I've got the big C. And I went, the big, I became a bit vacant, actually, on it. I don't know if it's still on, on the system. You should listen to it, because it's a very good interview, because I don't really know what to say to him. And he says, yes, he said, I've uh, been diagnosed with cancer. And um, I said, oh, you'll be here this time next year, chatting away to us. He said, no, he said, it's terminal. What do you say to somebody who sits in the studio, who you're having a conversation with, and, and they tell you that they've got, they've got something terminal? I don't, I mean, I, don't, I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, luckily, I've been through cancer with various members of the family, so I know exactly you know, how to sound sympathetic, because I am sympathetic, because it's nothing you can do about it. It's just one of those things. But I thought he was incredibly brave. And so at the end of it, I said, we'll, we'll see you again. And we didn't. We didn't. He died a few months after that. And I remember thinking at the time, it's, I think people who have cancer want to talk about it because nobody wants to talk about it. People kind of brush it under the carpet. Me, I want to talk about it. I tell you, if ever I was diagnosed with a terminal illness, I would sit here every morning boring the pants off you. I promise you, you're going with me. It's as simple as that. You come this far on the journey, you're, d- you're definitely taking the next step. If ever, I always, always thought that. I've said to people before, when people say, if you win the lottery, would you retire? And I've gone, yeah. They've gone, no, you wouldn't. You'd just carry on sitting there, wouldn't you? I said, well, probably, yes. But if ever I got some incurable illness, I would be telling you about it all the way through. I've often said I'd quite like to die on the programme. I know it feels like it sometimes. I know it feels like it. But uh, still miss him, says Noreen. Glad you survived the fasting bloods. Yes, I was quite glad I survived the fasting bloods as well. That That was a good one, wasn't it? We talked about the internet trolls. And I worry about these people. They're, uh, they're, they're generally... We had the woman, do you remember, who sent all that hate stuff to the McCann people and then killed herself. And you thought she was... A, and they go, and she was a churchgoer. Well, quite clearly, she was off her trolley. But they've got another one now. This is Lara Stone. Lara Stone is married to David Walliams. And you remember, she was pictured in the paper the other day with Justin Bieber uh, for a raunchy underwear advert where he's got his shirt off you know for like in fact if you've actually got a picture of Justin Bieber with his shirt on it'll be a looky likey because he spends his entire life with his shirt off and they're doing this uh, this posing picture anyway she's been sent death threats death threats by Justin Bieber fans presumably the remedial ones the ones who are still in prison for other events but uh, one wrote 
back off or I'll kill you, no pressure. I mean, you begin to wonder, are these people mentally ill or something? Are they just a little bit simple? Are they very simple? I mean, we know Justin Bieber's a bit simple, we know that. Perhaps his fans are equally stupid. Who on earth would write to a model threatening, one says, I'll kill that girl? But you know... Unfortunately, I would have to. I would have to take that further. I want to drag these people out. You know, it'll be some dribbling little girl with acne and glasses sitting in a bedroom somewhere with pictures of Justin Bieber all round the walls. Going, I love him and I don't want her to touch him in any way because he's mine because he's going to marry me. You've seen them before. I've seen all the fans over the years of all the groups. They're slightly peculiar. I've seen them in Leicester Square when Take uh, when uh, Take That have been here, and I've seen it when One Direction were here. And I've seen it, uh, you know, for loads of these people. Some of these fans are really quite scary. They're very scary. Some of them are sort of older girls. They look a bit grubby. And, of course, they've all got a story about, yeah, because he, he like, really loves me, doesn't he? You know, I love Liam. Liam. Harry loves me. I love Harry. I love Harry. You see them out there. You think to yourselves, one of these days you might grow up. I suppose in our day we did it to Vera Lynn. We got excited. Oh, Vera Lynn's coming round. <laughs> Similar kind of thing, isn't it? Similar kind of thing. Um, have you ever looked round your house or you've been round a car boot sale and you've thought, why can't I be an antique stealer? Why can't I be the sort of person who can spot, um, who can spot antiques? And there's a, a picture in the paper today. It's, it's a constable. Well, it's a copy of a constable. They paid three and a half grand for it. It's a nice copy. It's very good. Anyway, experts have now said it's an original. It's worth about two million. So, so they're selling it, as you can imagine. Christo, very, very sweetly, says, I'll discuss your will with you when you get diagnosed. That's nice, actually. I have done my will, and I advise anybody who hasn't done a will to do one. Not for the sake of, you know, having to be a bit mawkish or rake anything up, but to be honest with you, it makes it so much easier. You know, not the... I mean, who's Christo going to leave clothes that nobody will fit into to? I mean, who's, who's going to buy them, apart from people working the circus? You know, if there's a circus or a fun fair or one of those sort of freak shows where they can put people in these clothes. Look at these funny clothes. Look at these funny clothes. Who wore those? A radio presenter, apparently. No, seriously. Yep. Yep. He wore he wore those clothes. But it's true. But you should make a will. I've had mine done for ages. It's with the bank and uh, it distributes it to the good and the needy. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But, uh, I've got I've about eight people in my will. Got, I thought you have to do it, because you never know, do you? Might get run over by a trolley bus or something like that. In which case, you know, making a will is actually very good. Twelve cartoons that redrew the world. And uh, they've, they've done them. And they've printed them in the paper. As Christo said earlier, I think he said, they might as well print all these, uh, all these cartoons, you know, against various things in the, uh, in the papers. And then just put them on the front page. Who cares? If you don't like it, don't buy the paper. It's as simple as that. You know, if you're not adult enough to work that bit out by yourself, well, then you're too stupid to even be talking about it. You know, it's just somebody's little... You know, you should better laugh at everything. There are certain things, obviously, you can't laugh at, and they probably wouldn't do cartoons on. I mean, for example, off the top of your head, you're not going to see a cartoon on them trying to find Madeleine McCann, are you? That would be in in poor taste. But uh, anything to do with religion... If you really want a good laugh about the Bible, buy Spike Milligan's book on the Bible. And uh, it absolutely will have you in tears. It's so brilliantly observed. And so, you know, so or fell in that ghosty The Life of Brian. It was who phoned up earlier on. We didn't quite understand it. We were listening to somebody who said he was watching The Life of Brian. And there was a knock on the window. And it was a policeman whose name's Brian. So he turned off the television because he's an Irish Catholic. 
I didn't quite get that at all, actually. I thought perhaps I, perhaps he was on medication or something. Um, more pictures in the paper inside the Massacre newsroom. And it's just pictures of which you would expect to see. However, odd story of the day. The BBC have submitted their controversial live coverage of the police raid on Cliff Richard's home for a top television journalism award. What? Unbelievable. This is reporters who are waiting there. A shameless piece of journalism, if ever there was one, if you can laughingly call it journalism. Apparently, they've entered the footage for Scoop of the Year at the Royal Television Society's Television Journalism Award next month. Despite the continuing fallout from the story, a source was quoted as saying, it was a good story and it was important to stand by our journalism. It was a pile of crap, as well you know. It was a shameless piece, and I hope that some of the journalists in it get done as well for it. Let's go round their house, shall we, when they're not there, and sort of say, oh, look, here we are. Let's see what magazines they've been reading recently. Ridiculous, isn't it? How to slim down. Stand in the cold, apparently, or eat almonds. Almonds are very good for you. Almonds are very good for you. I don't eat almonds. I don't know why. I'm not, uh, not particularly good. Uh, antiques, says Christo. I work with one at four. Well, that's a dreadful thing to say, honestly. I don't know who you're referring... Who are you working with at four? Have you got that part-time job working the bins still? Are you still doing that one? Bless his heart, honestly. And um, 84850, steve at uk. Warren's up. Warren's up this morning, which is good news. Every time I see a picture of Chet Evans and that girlfriend, I get quite angry. I, get quite, I shouldn't do. I shouldn't get quite angry, but I'm just, I just look at her with this stupid hair and these silly tight jeans on, and him I can't stand. But uh, luckily that's an opinion. We're all, we're all entitled to an opinion in this day and age. Apparently somebody says if somebody dies on a plane quietly, they put sunglasses on them and uh, a drink on the tray in front. Oh, right. It's not his place now anyway, is it, Warren? I think he's actually got, Cliff, Cliff's got rid of the place. He's not, uh, not interested anymore in being there. Uh, another one here says, uh, read your photo shoot. Why don't you ask Wayne Rooney's toupee provider to furnish you on the big day? I love the idea that, you know, hair and makeup will be provided. I feel like sort of saying, can I be blonde for the day? I quite like, uh, quite like the idea of being blonde for the day. Uh, Steve, if you stand at 45 degrees to the camera for the photo shoot, you will appear much slimmer. Failing that, a bottle of Prosecco for the person who's editing with Photoshop and then just rely on your personality. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think, that, I think that's actually the one that's probably going to work, I should imagine. I think that's definitely the one that's going to work. And then somebody says here, uh, give your producer a treat by buying him a bottle of expensive wine, say £100 for looking after the show. I always buy, I've still got your card for Christmas. I kept bringing it in, taking it home, bringing it in, taking it home, bringing it in, take it home. And then yesterday Will said to me, oh, Beth's working with you tomorrow. I said, I'll bring her card in, so it's in my bag out there, just in case you think I'm just going to go and quickly write it. But uh, no, I always do that every Christmas, Andrew. Every single Christmas, unlike other presenters who don't buy their producers anything at all. Cops closing in on the Paris killers. They will be found. I reckon by this weekend they'll have cornered them. Sally the Burke out of the jump. Thank God for that. Another one disappeared. No personality, no talent. The rapist Ched Evans finally says, I'm sorry. Sort of. Tesco, 43 stores, 1,000 staff. That's what they think they're going to, uh, to shed. The village where 17,000 people were caught speeding in six days. Gemma Collins still hasn't got a proper job. Angelina Jolie has met the Pope. She must be very well connected. The world's most unwanted dog turns into the most wanted dog. And Tiny Temper loses yet more street cred. Turned into a right wussy boy, I'm afraid. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen.
Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Friday, the 9th of January. The cops are closing in on the Paris killers. They'll not make it to the weekend, I don't think. Tesco, 43 stores they're closing. These are the Tesco Expresses. And um, they're also not going ahead with plans to open some of their big superstores as well. They're also going to be shedding a 1,000 staff, and I think they're closing down their pension at the same time. After the gales, snowstorms on the way. Brace yourselves. The £260 facial for ladies who've got more money than sense because it contains gold. Um, Angelina Jolie meets the Pope. Apparently that's of great interest nowadays. The rugby player sidelined too big for his boots and the armed robber who was silly enough to take a minicab with his mask on. You can only applaud the man's rank stupidity. Uh, the soccer rapist says sorry for the effects of that night, but as the latest deal collapses, he insists he's innocent. He's a convicted rapist until anything is proven otherwise. That's the way it stands, the arrogance of the man. Um, and then, strangely enough, speaking to the BBC, Gordon Taylor, chief executive of the Professional Footballers Association, uh, appeared to link the plight of Ched Evans to the families of the Hillsborough victims. Speaking to uh, to the BBC, Gordon Taylor said that just as with the 1989 disaster in which 96 Liverpool fans were crushed to death, a different story may eventually emerge. Taylor says he wouldn't be the first person or persons to be found guilty and maintain their innocence and then been proven right. He said, if we're talking about things in football, we know what happened, what was alleged to have happened at Hillsborough, and it's now unravelling and we're finding it was very different to how it was portrayed at the time, indeed by the police at the time. Very odd thing. Apparently a second appeal against uh, Evans's rape conviction is still pending. Uh, the Gales on the way. Uh, Richard Littlejohn talking about the fanatics' fear that cartoonists must never be silenced, ever, ever. That's the whole idea. That was the whole idea of, um, I think, um, people like Punch uh, magazine when they used to lampoon people. Everybody was lampooned from royalty. It doesn't make any difference. It really doesn't make any difference. The, the whole idea, if you actually follow the scriptures in any way, shape or form, is you turn the other cheek. As Christo said, and he was quite right, if every time somebody said something vile about him, you know, and he took it to heart, he'd have, he'd have killed himself by now. And the answer is, you turn the other cheek. If you don't like a cartoon, well, then you don't buy that particular paper, do you? You don't worry about things like that. If somebody says something, God, but God, if, if I had a pound for every time somebody said something like, you know, you're so rude to people, who do you think you are? And I think, well, I'm the one being paid. I'm the one being paid, you know. If I wasn't being paid for it, I could understand it, you know. If I'm just some sort of put, some poor person standing at Speaker's Corner, just doing it for the, uh, for the sake of doing it. It was funny, actually, we were talking the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine about Katie Hopkins. And I said, it's ridiculous. I said, she comes up with the most ludicrous statements. I said, she's just an attention seeker. And this friend of mine said, looked at me with a straight face and said, and so you don't say anything like that. I said, no, I believe every single word I say. I've never, I've never said anything for an effect in my entire life. I don't need to. I stand by every single thing I say. If, if I see it, and I say it as it is. And if that upsets somebody, well, I couldn't really care less. I'm not particularly PC, and I don't want to be PC. I'm sick to death of the PC brigade. You know, people go, Ooh. I still hark back to that story the other day of the, uh, of the girl who wrote to Alan Sugar on the tweet going, can I call you Sugar? And he wrote, if I can call you Fatty. And she is fat. I mean, she was a bit gross. 
and uh, and also just not not particularly attractive. And um, and so and then she goes, oh, it really upset me, and I want an apology. And I'm thinking, well, don't write to him in the first place. Then it turns out she's an attention seeker. She's tried to appear on different programs before now, so she's obviously perhaps she'll appear on the you know Take Me Out program. No likey, no lighty. In her case, definitely no likey. Full stop. Because I do watch these programmes and I do watch the wannabes and I do get the impression that so many people now appear on television programmes just because they want to appear on the television because they think it's some sort of fame. I'm sure that those who appear on the Jeremy Kyle show seriously believe in their tiny pea-sized brains that they're now famous. Whereas, in fact, we're all looking, pointing and laughing at these toothless old hags, you know, and women with tattoos up their arms and around their neck and everything else. And, and you look at them and they go, and I think he cheated on me. And you look at the boyfriend and you think... You've seriously climbed into bed with that? With clothes on, it looks bad enough. Without them on, it must look even worse. Do I need a facial in time for the photo session on Tuesday? Is it going to make the slightest difference? I don't know. This one here is, uh, they say Britain's wealthiest are spending up to £29,000 a year on facial masks. Uh, it's called Super Rich and Us. And uh, last night, the presenter of the programme, visited a branch of the Oro Gold Beauty Clinic and was given a treatment where a mask containing real gold flakes was laid over his face. Big deal. It makes such a big deal of it. Real gold flakes. Ooh, whoopee-doo, honestly. I mean, you can go to any art and craft shop and buy a little book of gold leaf. It's, I forget how much it is. It's so thin, this stuff. You've got to put it on with a, with a brush. And all. You could put that on your face. It would have the same effect. A beauty therapist told the programme that clients can have up to 12 treatments a month as a 60-minute appointment, it costs £256, or a bulk purchase is £1,200. Uh, such a schedule could cost you £28,500 a year. A pack of 12 deep-tissue rejuvenating masks with ingredients including gold and sea algae costs £1,398. Oh, you'd have to be mad, ladies and gentlemen. Why don't you just go sit yourself in the sea? Get some seaweed, rub it over your face. Same effect. Same effect. Somebody said to me once, you don't need to waste money on very expensive creams. A pot of cold cream will do the trick for you. Look at your grandmother's skin. Nice and soft, you know, lovely. That's the sort of thing that you're, you're trying to achieve. Sticking gold on your face doesn't make the slightest difference. It's a fad. If people seriously are going to part with this, they've got one here. 24 carat cryogenic diamond mask. That's £1,000 a pot. It reduces the appearance of wrinkles. Reduces the appearance. Doesn't say reduces the wrinkles. Says reduces the appearance. But um, Dr Adam Friedman, a consultant dermatologist, says it sounds like a good way of spending money for nothing. The reality is that gold and diamonds are completely unreactive. So the benefit of using gold and diamonds over other things is just pretty much zero. I totally agree. Don't waste your money. We've said this before, you know, you don't need it. I was so horrified the other day. I turned on the television, I'm flipping around the channels, and uh, obviously Matthew writes away having Botox or something, or perhaps sort of rejuvenating himself in some way, shape or form. And so they had Richard Maidley doing the programme. And who did he have on? Charlotte Crosby from Geordie Shaw, flogging you her DVD of how she's lost weight in three seconds. And I thought, yeah, give it a year, it'll all be barred back on again. I've told you before, don't waste your money on celebrity DVDs, OK? They've had a personal trainer for a few months and they stay out of the limelight and then they go, oh, look at me. I've seen it a million times before. Not one of them works. They all pile the weight back on again. So, you know, if you really want... I mean, I don't know who buys this stuff. I've really got no idea. I've said before, want a diet and exercise sheet, go to the doctor, you get it for free. 
If you want to pay 12 quid for it, I'm sure the doctor will charge you £12. Um, Aura Gold, this is this company, uh, the other night, said gold and diamonds are being rediscovered today in modern skincare and their inclusion can be found in the world's much lu- most luxurious brands. I'd rather believe a dermatologist who says it's not going to make the slightest difference to you. But there again, you know, if you are desperate to make yourself look absolutely gorgeous and somebody says, oh, how do you get such lovely skin? I believe that there are people who just have lovely skin. I don't believe you can create it. You can say, listen, I've been using very expensive creams on my skin for years. I don't think it's made the slightest difference. You know, I've got good skin for a person of my age. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't waste 260 quid or buy any of these other things. It's a fad. But ladies, unfortunately, do go for this stuff and, uh, and, and appear to like it. So, you know, as long as you're happy spending the money and you're prepared to buy into the guff, then, uh, then fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's your business. Uh, I always thought, says Pauline, you were a natural blonde. Well, the guy used to be. I used to be platinum at one time. Platinum. I like the, uh, the tiny little village in, uh, in Derbyshire. And uh, this is a little village here. It's called Ticknell. In 16 days, they caught 17,000 motorists speeding. In six days. They were standing there with a speed gun. 17,000. One in seven motorists driving through this picturesque village were going over the 30 mile an hour limit. Oh, I suspect that ever I've driven over the limit. When it says 30 miles... Have you tried driving at 30 miles an hour? There's people walking faster. Anyway... Uh, the aim of the scheme was to educate drivers to reduce their speed without penalising them with points uh, on their licence or a fine. By November, villagers were told to stop because it created too much paperwork for the police. I mean, the police couldn't cope with it. 17,000 people in 16 days were caught speeding. Because I, I think people do exactly the same all over the world. I think you see a speed camera go bing, 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 if you've got sat-nav. And so you slow down as you go past it, then you speed up again. Everybody does it. How many times do you see brake lights coming on? How many times do you see brake lights coming on when it gets to a speed camera? Answer, loads of times. Loads of times. Because people get, get a bit panicky. They go, oh, no, did it flash? Did it flash? No, 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 no. Terrible. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Poor George in London can't even spell Mohammed. How embarrassing. How embarrassing, George, for you. How to be illiterate and thick. How worrying. Uh, which charity did uh, Gemma give her money to? I don't know. They've mentioned it in the paper again today, but so far we can't find anything. She's, uh, she doesn't have any work at the moment. They're thinking about getting her to do an, an advice programme for fat people. And so she'll be offering beauty hints. In other words, go buy plaster of Paris, shove your face in it, look like you, Virginia, don't fire. And uh, end of story. Hello, dear. What do you look like? You look like a man in drag. Poor soul. Uh, I almost feel sorry for Ched. Almost. Not me. That's Jan Moyer writing in the mail today. We'll come round to her very shortly. It's quarter past five. Ferrari and the team with you this morning on LBC. The latest on the shootings in Paris. Nick will be speaking to a survivor of London's 7-7 bombings to ask how do you recover from such an event long after the scars have healed. And rapist Ched Evans has issued an apology. Is it enough? Does he have a right to work? Nick will be joined in the studio by David Cameron's speechwriter, Claire Fogess, as she reviews the day's newspapers. That's after the morning news with uh, Lisa Aziz. lot to talk about with uh, Nick Ferrari and the team. And it is Friday, so we're, we're quite happy with Friday. I like Friday, actually. I like Friday. I've had, to, to be brutally honest with you, I like actually every single day. I was reading Jan Moyer's column, and she was talking about uh, Ched... And there's not really a lot you can say about this person. I don't like him. I think his attitude absolutely stinks. 
um, you know, his supporters, you can count on one hand. It's the people anti him that uh, that I stand with, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, once a rapist, you know, a convicted rapist, always a convicted rapist, unless things change. Uh, but she does talk very interestingly about Prince Andrew. And she she says, basically, to encapsulate everything she says, uh, Prince Harry really needs to take a long, careful look at himself. Because, like Prince Andrew, uh, Andrew is never going to be on the throne unless some tragedy befalls the entire family, and Harry's never going to get on the throne either. But Harry's going exactly the same way that Prince Andrew has. Prince Andrew, the playboy out there partying, the girls, you know, the bright lights, the this, the that, and all the rest of it, the wrong kind of friends. Harry doing exactly the same. And what Jan Moyer says... You know, she says to to Prince Harry, it's, uh, you know, you really do need to take a long, hard look at Uncle Andrew. Uncle Andrew's life is collapsing like a slalom around him because everybody knows the allegations. You know, the uh, the mud will stick. He's marooned on a slippery slope. In fact, he might actually never get off it. You must never again, Harry, go to Las Vegas. You must never again behave like a drunken buffoon, put a Nazi uniform on. You have to learn by some of your other contemporaries' mistakes. And Prince Andrew has made big, big mistakes in his life. I mean, to be quite honest with you, he's become a laughing stock now, which is an embarrassment for him, because I should imagine that's probably the last thing he wanted. But he's never known how to handle himself. And the same for Prince Harry. We've seen Harry drunk, lashing out at photographers. You know, and you never see that from William. You've never, ever seen William getting so drunk that he's lashed out at people. If anything, William would be the one sticking in, sitting in the corner with a daffodil shoved in his hair. That would be the sort of person he is. Whereas Harry's, you know, this sort of, don't you talk to me like that. I'm Prince Harry and I'm this and that. Uh, what Prince Andrew ends up with is a mad hanger-on ex-wife who thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread and two daughters with no visible means of support. And, and an arrogance that goes with certain members of the royal family. We've seen it a million times before. So she's quite right. Harry has to learn from useless Uncle Andrew. How, in fact, I was watching a programme which John Warrington sent me on the Queen the other day, and it was looking at, you know, how hard she works and how she must be sitting there thinking, perhaps we should have brought the children up differently. Because they didn't bring them up, did they? They were shoved onto nannies. Tiggy Leg Bork was looking after Charles, I believe. And, uh, and nobody sort of, nobody cared about them. That was obviously the way that they did it. And they expected them to make their own way in the world. Harry has just become an embarrassment. So every so often they have to find something for him to do. Like, can you do a charity thing? Can you come up with some games that sort of honours people? So it takes away from the fact that you're an idiot. You know, fun little bit edgy, little bit, you know, a little bit sort of naughty, naughty. People like that about Harry. But there's a limit. You know, he's got to he's got to be good. He's got to be diligent. He's got to be charitable. He's got to grow up. It's as simple as that. The royal family might not survive another scandal like this one. I mean, the Queen must be sitting there wringing her hands sometimes with Prince Philip, you know, sitting there going, I, I don't know what we do, Queenie. I mean, what do we do with them? You know, Harry's gone off the rails, you know, getting drunk everywhere. Charles and Camilla, I mean, heavens above. I mean, who even knew about it? And as for that bloody Fergie, I mean, Lord knows, mad as a broomstick. You know, and then and they sit down. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I'd love to hear some of the conversations, because the conversations I've seen the royal family having are a little bit sort of vacuous. They're a little bit empty. They don't really know how to have a, how to pro- a, a proper conversation. They should come in on this programme, you know, to bring the Queen in. 
you know, on a programme like this, you know, and be able to ask her anything. You know, do you, th- do you think Harry maybe needs a little bit, perhaps a little bit of an old, you know, spanking, you know, a little spanking? Something like that. Probably would have done them all a bit of good, I should imagine. But I think Harry is, um, is that person who needs to learn from Uncle Andrew, who's turned out to be the buffoon of the family, the idiot, the one that the press never liked. And yet, in his early days, he could have, he, he had it all. He was a bit like Harry. They were all going, oh, isn't it great? He's good looking, he's this and that, and girls were falling over themselves literally falling over themselves to get to him. And he was very, very successful. And he ends up with Sarah Ferguson. I mean, out of, out of all the people that he, that he could have married, Sarah Ferguson, the jolly hockey sticks girl who'd been with one boyfriend for 17 years. Paddy McNally, the toe, the toe suck. Oh, it was all so cringe-making. So cringe-making. And then, of course, they asked her the other day, so how do you feel? Didn't they ask Zara? Didn't they say to Zara, how do you feel about your uncle uh, Andy? She went, I have no comment to make at all. I thought, no. I remember she was asked. I always thought she was a little bit po-faced, actually. I think most of them are po-faced. They don't want to answer something. They don't answer it. But in the case of uh, Harry, he needs to learn because your life could go exactly and spiral the same way as Uncle Andrew's. And nobody wants to be the embarrassing person in the family, do they? Uh, Davina McCall has hit hard times. She's had to get rid of the gardener at her £4.3 million Sussex mansion because she's got to write a large cheque to the, uh, the tax man. And uh, she was one of those uh, people who was among thousands, I think, including Anton Deck, David Beckham and Lord Lloyd Webber, who poured money into an ingenious films which helped fund movies like Life of Pi and Avatar. Although it was deemed an efficient way of minimising taxes, HMRC officials disagreed, leaving investors with hefty bills. How big was Davina's? They're not saying, but we believe it was fairly hefty. I went for dinner with Davina some years ago, and uh, all she wanted to do was make, make money, millions, you know, by working hard, and so she could eventually retire and just sort of sit in the, in the country with her, her nice gardener and her lovely gardens and her £4.3 million house and uh, put her feet up because she's worked hard. And she has worked hard. She really has. Whereas some people, I, I just don't see they work as hard as she did. She, she's not been silly. Perhaps the, um, the film thing maybe wasn't the best idea at all, was it? Not really. I was going to read my stars for today, but I thought, no, it's Friday. Does it really matter? Is Eddie Redmayne going to get another award? I think he will. And uh, who's got some autobiographies coming out? Anne Reid. Anne Reid. You know Anne Reid if you check out any Victoria Wood programmes. She's, uh, she's lovely. I interviewed her in conversation. And I remember she said to me, yeah, can you tell me exactly when this interview is going? At what time? And so I always say, um, I'm not sure exactly at the moment. Because coming up after half past, we'll have a couple of clips from this weekend's In Conversation, which is Sunday. I forgot to mention the other day, I should, have, I should mention it to you every day, that every Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m., it's In Conversation, two celebrities, and then we repeat that programme at 9 o'clock at night. And then on Sunday morning, I'm live, as live as I can be, between 6 and 8 o'clock, where we go through the Sunday papers and we literally just pull everything apart. Because that's the day on Sunday, isn't it? That the, uh, although last week we never got a Sunday people. I was a bit miffed. Couldn't find a Sunday people for love nor money anywhere in the building. So I, I always miss that, because if there's ever going to be any scandal, that's going to be the paper that's going to bring it to you. So you can join me every Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m. for In Conversation. Uh, this week, it's uh, Dr Dawn Harper. We talk medical. Well, not to, we do talk quite a bit of medical, but it's interesting. So you can find out how, you know, uh, things have changed on the radio. I think LBC were the, were the first station to pioneer putting a doctor on air. I used to have doctors on air years ago, years and years ago. And the doctor would come on and I was always amazed. And I think I said to Dawn uh, on this interview, I said people would, would come on air 
And you'd go, next it's going to be uh, Rosemary. And Rosemary would go, oh, hello, Doctor. And it was generally men. It was generally men. I don't think we had any women, as far as I remember. And, uh, oh, hello, Doctor. Uh, I've got to And they would know all their medication. And I remember thinking then, this is really sad. This is somebody who knows their medication. Now I'm of that age where somebody says to me, so what, are you, so what medication are you on? I can list all my medication. I've become one of those people. And so we, we, we were talking about the way that that's changed. Carol Decker, lead singer of Tapau, back with her, her old writing and sparring partner, Ray. They've got a new album out, Pleasure and Pain. Tapau touring again. She's a big LBC fan, big LBC fan, because she's presented on LBC, Carol Decker. She's actually done programmes She's always, she said, I'm always quite jealous of anybody who can just sit there and talk. I said, there's nothing too difficult about talking. It's making sense of it, or sometimes not making sense of it. Uh, somebody's written in saying, love the style, keep it up, better than any antidepressant. I know, but, but more addictive, I think you'll find. Antidepressants, very addictive. This programme, equally addictive, equally. Uh, do we still pay money for the minor royals? If so, why, says Didi. I don't know. I think we do, because we must do, because Prince Andrew, out in uh, Verbier, in a £22,000 a week chalet, and uh, Sarah Ferguson's still out there, but I think she's got a job as a chalet maid. I think she's working out there cooking, although what sort of food she eats, I can't imagine. And um, I think they've got five royal protection officers out there. Although, to be honest with you, if you saw Prince Andrew walking through Trafalgar Square, you wouldn't go, oh, that's Prince Andrew, because you'd just think of it as somebody who looks a bit like Prince Andrew. There's a way of going out and not being recognised. I manage it every day. I go out, I never get recognised. You know, I don't get people rushing up to me going, hello, Steve. Although I did get somebody the other day. I was walking round um, Iceland, the shop as opposed to the country, and some, some bloke said to me, he said, and, uh, and a very happy new year to you, sir. I thought he worked there. Because he appeared to be looking at the shelves and everything else. So I, I went back to talk to John in the greengrocer. And this bloke then walked past a day, day later. And I went to John. That bloke said hello to me the other day. He said, oh, he's mad. He's quite mad, you know. I said, oh, well, thank God for that. At least we've explained that one away. Because normally if people say hello to you, you think perhaps they know who I am. I'm that vain that I think people know who I am. Uh, right, we'll take a short break, shall we? It's 5.30. News headlines with Lisa Aziz. The head of MI5 is warning Al-Qaeda in... Morning, everybody. Friday morning, 26 minutes to 6, 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, I'll tell you the story in a moment about the rugby player sideline for being too big for his boots. He's one of these unfortunate people who's got enormous feet. Enormous feet. Coming up on In Conversation this coming Sunday. As I say, between 5 and 6 a.m. in the morning. Always two, two celebrities. Always try and pick a, a good mix. And this week, it's the ladies. So we've got uh, Dr Dawn and musician Carol Decker. Dr Dawn, as you know, is on every Tuesday with Clive Bull on LBC. So here's a, here's a clip of... Uh, now, I'll tell you what, let's do, let's do Carol Decker, first of all. She's got uh, a new album, To Power a Touring, and uh, here's a little, little extract of her talking about what she's been up to. A lot happened to you. A lot happened to you. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, uh, since my my halcyon days as a young pop star, yeah, it was. Um, a young pop star. Well, you know how it is. It's a fickle business, and we had our, our fifteen minutes, and then it's it's not an easy road for most people. No. You know, you've got to find a way of surviving, and so for a few years, the band broke up in ninety one, and I just kind of messed about really went out to LA did some songwriting and hung out with my best mate who lives out there then I came home and I did a little bit of acting in the mid 90s I did some 
West End. I was a West End Wendy for a while. West End Wendy. Yeah, and, I love uh, that description. And, and a few, uh, <laughs> a few uh, low-budget independent films. It all sounds really dodgy. Doesn't it? <laughs> no, it would have done if it had been the seventies. But it's all right. You could say that yeah, now. And then some radio presenting. Yeah, a little bit for LBC. A little bit for LBC, she did. She had a few shows on LBC to Carol Decker. It's only a little taster. We don't offer you too much of the interview because you have to listen in. And in fact, little Julie says, looking forward to hearing it. She's very bouncy. She's very bouncy. She brought me in a bottle of Prosecco. And then she, the first thing she said to me was, how's your throat? And I suddenly realised then she listens to the programme. She's a listener. And so I've not been too good of late, she said. I know. She's I'm following it, following it with you. So anyway, so lovely Carol Decker is with us. And uh, Dr Dawn. Uh, known for co-presenting the Channel 4 TV programme, Embarrassing Bodies. And here's a little clip of her talking about that. The thing is that everybody always says to me about embarrassing bodies, and when it started, people say, if they're really embarrassed, why are they going on television talking about it? And you look at some of these people, and you're quite right. Sometimes you think, oh, my God, you should have gone to your GP ages ago. Mm. These are weeping sores, you know. I mean, some really horrendous things. Whatever I've got is nothing compared to what these people have it's, got. Um, it's interesting, actually. I remember when I first auditioned for the show thinking, well, that will never work in the UK because we've got a free NHS. You know, take it to the States where yes. maybe people would trade showing whatever it is on television in order to get treatment that maybe they couldn't afford, then that kind of made sense to me. Um, and I genuinely thought that it, it really wouldn't go anywhere. How wrong could I be? You know, we have people knocking on our doors. And I think people come for different reasons, but increasingly... The show has become so popular and so successful. Um, and, you know, Pixie and Christian and I are just ordinary doctors. But there's nothing special about us, but we do have very special people backing us up. And we have some of, you know, for example, one of the plastic surgeons we use, Sultan Hassan, has just been voted Plastic Surgeon of the Year for the whole of the UK. Wow. Um, and we get some of the people from sort of tertiary centres who are really dealing with very complicated problems. So people know that, yes, they're going to show whatever it might be, mm. but they are going to see people at the top of their tree and sometimes people come because some of the treatments we offer aren't available on the nhs and also, here we are you'll know you'll never know you'll have to tune in on sunday morning and catch the rest of the conversation so it's uh, dr dawn and carol decker both for in conversation this week on lbc between 5 and 6 a.m on sunday morning and i hope we can uh, grab your attention then and it's repeated between 9 and 10 at night same evening and then it's available as a podcast 84850, uk. Phil says, the person who talked to you in Iceland, it wasn't Peter Andre, was it? Oh, no, I'd have called the police if it had been Peter Andre, who apparently thinks that his, he's, he's sold out in all branches. As I say, we had loads of his uh, CDs left. Uh, Jason says, uh, I love your Prince Philip voice. I always think, I've never ever met Prince Philip, but I remember him being interviewed by Fiona Bruce, and uh, she tried her little sort of, you know, cute girly-girly act on him, and it didn't wash with Prince Philip at all. He wipes the floor with people like that. He, and, and she tried, and he was, he was just being particularly difficult. I thought it was quite funny, actually. Steve, is the royal family another example of a dysfunctional British family? Yes. Absolutely. They are. You know, to have one marriage collapse, OK. To have two collapse, really not good. To have three collapse, there's a problem in the family. And the problem in the family is that they've, uh, they've diluted it. They've diluted it so many times. So before, it was, all, it was all European royalty, and that's where they sort of made... And I think it really, it really started when Andrew went out with Coo Stark. And uh, then that sort of got knocked on the head and then everything went a bit pear-shaped. It was all just a bit bizarre, really. They, what, what they were doing is they were, they were trying to, to be seen to be ordinary, but in fact they weren't because they don't do things the way that we do. You've seen that. You've seen evidence of that over the years. 
you know, Prince Charles saw Diana, but he'd been out with loads of people before that. Loads of people. And then he, I saw this girl in the... Sounds exactly like Prince Philip. I saw this girl in the field. Yeah, this pretty little thing. And, uh, but re- really, the love of his life was Camilla. You know, they just wanted Diana because she was young. It was air and a spare. The problem for Diana was, the huge problem, was that she became so popular. Editors will tell you, ask anybody from David Banks all the way through to Kelvin McKenzie, that if you put Diana on the front page, circulation went up. People wanted to know about Diana. They loved her. They absolutely loved her. So she became so popular, which, in fact, really wasn't the idea. The idea was to boost up the popularity of uh, Charles and uh, Philip. You know, and it didn't work. She was the one who the crowd wanted to see. didn't want to see him. Nobody, said, nobody cared about him at all. You know, so now he's probably found the happiness he probably should have had years and years ago. But, uh, but that, unfortunately, Camilla Parker Bowles was married to Andrew Parker Bowles, the man who laid down his wife for the Queen, for the King. And, um, and so the rest of it, as they say, is well documented. But they just don't seem to be particularly lucky with relationships because they're so steeped in history. Can you imagine? You can't go anywhere without sort of dressing up in your fancy dress outfits. So every time, you know, I mean, and, and they refer to the Queen as the Queen. The only time that Charles ever did it, when he did that thing on stage, went, Your Majesty, Mummy. And the Queen, I thought she was going to have him executed. Seriously. I could see her building the guillotine, even as we sat there. But uh, it didn't happen. But uh, So I'm not at all surprised the way things have gone with Prince Andrew. I think that has, um, I think that has been on the cards for some time. I think that's been on the cards for some time. And, uh, and I don't really know exactly what you can... Uh, what you can do about it. You can't, you can't sort of change anything because they're not for changing. A bit like Margaret Thatcher. The lady is not for changing. Uh, Jake wants to know what's happening with the weather. How well should we prepare for the snow blizzard? Oh, I think the usual thing. Blanket, shovel, soup, uh, hot drinks. And uh, if you can manage to get all of that on the bus, it should be all right. So, uh, yes, you've just got to prepare for it. Always make sure... But if you're going out, if the snow comes down, they've said the snow's coming down. If you've just woken up and you're going, what snow? What snow? They've started talking about, we're going to get 100 mile an hour winds. That'll ruin the hair straight away. And we're going to have my hair cut for my photo shoot on Tuesday. I don't know how to have it cut. I don't know whether to go in there and go, you know, a little bit long on one side, shorter on the other, or backflip. I don't, honestly, there's so many choices. Because on the bottom of the, on, on the thing from the boss's secretary, it says hair and makeup will be provided. So, of course, it's a perm. Do you think a perm? Actually, I do have a photograph of me with a perm some years ago. It was ghastly. It was ghastly. Because what happened was I had a perm and I quite liked it. But I didn't, I didn't realise that when you have a perm, you can't, you can't blow dry or do anything with it. You just have to leave it. And so you wash your hair, wash and go, and then... Um, and that's it. But unfortunately, so I quite liked it. So I had, um, I then had another perm on top of that, I had a body perm. And then it frizzed. And then I had to buy an Afro comb. And then I looked just ridiculous. I looked like I was out the film Shaft from the 70s. It was a very odd look. But I do have the photo and it's never seeing the light of day. But I thought that by the time we get to Tuesday, I don't know, if I can lose weight by Tuesday. And if I stand sideways and look a little bit like that, I could actually look fairly attractive. Because I'm up against a lot of competition in this building at the moment. They seem to be getting younger by the day. Uh, Martin says, where's your book? Uh, the date is the 12th of February. As far as I remember. They sent me a thing literally yesterday. Literally yesterday saying it's out. I think they said it's out on the... I'm sure they said the 12th of February. And I think it's available for pre-order on, uh, on Amazon. I think it's for pre-order on Amazon. And it's uh, Steve Allen. And I think... I couldn't remember the title exactly. So you want to be a celebrity. And I think it's just going through the uh, the last the last little bits, 
and then uh, and then it goes. And then, as I say, uh, the whole country gets taken over by it and it'll be read about in the sun and things like that. Uh, three generations of our ladies, says Joe, uh, went. I know you're not keen on Dubai, but we had a lovely time. Worried until I heard that you may still be ill. There we go. I like that idea. I like that idea. Uh, Howard says, as I'm a bailiff, would you like me to get your bottle of port back? The fee will be either a packet of sprouts or a Peter Andre CD. I do have a Peter Andre CD. I do have one. It was bought for me for Christmas. So I was very pleased about it. Very pleased. Uh, another one here. Oh, the owner of the, the cavern died yesterday. That was uh, Rick McFall, who died aged 88. The cavern, of course, where the Beatles played. And uh, he was, I suppose, instrumental. Tiny little place. And then they rebuilt it over the road, didn't they? The original cavern got knocked down and then they rebuilt it over the road. Wasn't quite the same, but it apparently looked the same. Why couldn't they have kept the original one? Turned into a car park, I think. Uh, Scally says uh, he, he sent me some lovely pictures of what I look like with hair, which makes me feel uh, really good about myself. Uh, yes, you can pre-order, says Christine, on Amazon. 12th of February. 12th of February. Uh, Kirsty says, and uh, this is Ched Evans, served not even half of his term, yet wants big bucks being a footballer. I think, really, in, in the case of wanting big bucks, that's what... I mean, to be honest with you, £2,500 a week isn't that much money in terms of football. When you read £30,000, £50,000, £100,000... Apparently, Christine says, the wind is howling in Glasgow. It deserves to. It deserves to. Princess Margaret, Steve, was offered the same chance to go for Townsend. She said no. She wanted the royalty. Same with Andy. Yes, they've, they've all been out with various people. Princess Margaret was seen out with all sorts of odd people. Roddy McWatsit uh, and then uh, Townsend. When Townsend died, they were looking for a comment for her. They thought she was going to go to the funeral, didn't they? But I, I don't believe she did. I don't believe she did. But again, that was just one of those things. She knew there was no chance for ever being queen. Dan says, when it says hair and makeup will be provided, whose hair is it? I don't know. I, t- I was quite surprised when they sent that to me. And they've sent it specifically to me. Hair and makeup will be provided. So there you go. When I was in Iceland, Steve, says CJ, I saw... The Peter Andre CDs, loads of them. Asked the lady if I could use them as coasters. She laughed. Here's the rugby player. Oh, I'll have to bring it to you in a minute. This is the poor bloke who was sidelined. Too big for his boots. It's another one of these cases of some poor rugby player. He's only 22, but his feet are ginormous. Quick break. Quarter to six. I've given up actually watching uh, Celebrity Big Brother, mainly because there aren't any celebrities in there. Although, strangely enough, they've got in the sun today, they've got uh, Katie Hopkins' column... They, I'm, I'm assuming they must have changed the way that Big Brother... Is she able to write her column and then send it out? Because that's what she appears to have done inside the paper for today. She's talking about Alicia Duval. I mean, a woman who's so empty vessel. I mean, you can't believe it. She's confessed she made a mistake not clinging on to Simon Cowell. I think he was right to get rid of you, dear. Quite right to get rid of you. Uh, flirty Cammy Lee. She's a busty glamour model. For that read, very tacky. Very low rent. And uh, Chloe Goodman as well. Again, very tacky, very low rent. But I understand the fact that if you don't have any talent, you've got to try and do something to get the cameras to watch you. And um, Ken Morley, who says, uh, I will watch if housemates have sex and award points. Dear, I don't think it's ever likely to get to that uh, thing. Kavanagh apparently packed his 1997 Smash Hits Award to take into the house, but then ditched it over fear people would mock him. People have been mocking him for ages. I mean, poor old Kavanagh hasn't done anything since 1997. I mean, what on earth is the point? I mean, there really are. It's so low rent in there. And um, who else was in there? Oh, uh, Perez Hilton... 
talking about his bizarre bedside problems. I don't really know enough about Perez Hilton. He's only known in America. He's not known to us over here at all. But then they've got um, some writer, Katie Earle, I'm talking about Keith Chegwin, Katie Hopkins, Patsy Kensit. I'm assuming she must desperately need the money to be in there. What on earth is she in there for? Nadia Sawala. I mean, she'll walk it. I promise you. Out of all the people in there, she's possibly the most genuine. Although I think with sort of Keith Chegwin, what, what you see is, is what you get. Cammie Lee. Well, don't get me going on people like that. Jeremy Jackson. This was the one who was in Baywatch, but it was about 300 years ago, so nobody cares anymore. Uh, Callum Best. What a dull person. I don't realise how boring he was. I'd forgotten, actually. Thought his father was boring enough. He's even more boring. Kavanagh. Just nobody. Alicia Duval. A nobody. Absolutely a nobody at all. Cl- claim to fame, apparently. She spent money on surgery. Quite clearly, she needs to go back and sue. Chloe Goodman. No idea at all. And uh, Ken Morley. And then there's a few other little people in there. But the very idea that Alicia Duval said she should have clung on to Simon Cowell. I mean, talk about clinging on to your past. That's unfortunately where most of her life is in the past. Uh, everything was Tesco. This is Tesco. And uh, 1,000 staff will lose the jobs. 314,000 hit on pensions. 43 stores to shut. 49 shops shelved. And a cutting cost of 250 million. Except for the chief executive who earns 5 million. So as long as you keep shopping there, he'll be all right. If you don't, they're in big trouble. Uh, Their shares have collapsed. They've gone down, 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 down. In January 2014, 320. Now, January the 8th, 2015, 211. Big, big drop. Big drop for Tesco. Why is it going wrong for them? No idea, but they've got adverts all over the place. Will it make a difference? I don't know. I don't know whether or not, you know, advertising the price of Branston pickle and tea bags and stuff like that is going to make the slightest difference to whether people go there. I don't know. The family's slamming the too-fat-to-work dad just wed for the sixth time. This is uh, Steve Beer, a complete waste of space, and his wife. She's never worked in her life. But, uh, but they can afford tattoos, and they can afford to stuff themselves. But uh, he's a big, fat liar. One woman says he left me with £20,000 worth of debts. Uh, one son says, my dad told me he never wanted to see me again. He's quite clearly a vile piece of work. And, uh, but they put them on the television. Deirdre Sanders, the son's agony aunt. I must be grandmother by now. It says, um, talking about the wife number two, who says, I stayed at home all day. Sorry, he stayed at home while I was earning a living. Well, I mean, I don't know what people see him in. He's ugly, he's fat, he's bloated, and he's ill. I mean, what, what, on, earth is the, what, what on earth is the attraction? And yet he's been married six times. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Other stories which were in the uh, the papers for today. Uh, this is the widow of the war veteran who fled his care home. Uh, this is Bernie Jordan, gained hero status in June after sneaking out and taking a ferry to France with his medals hidden under his coat. Uh, he died in hospital on December the 30th. And then his 86-year-old wife, Irene, passed away last Tuesday in the nursing home where the couple lived in Hove in East Sussex. Isn't that awful? But how sweet. Sweet at the end of the day. I, I like that story. I like the idea that they are sort of together, as it were. Uh, what have we got here? This is Little Minx. Mix is uh, Lee Ann Pinnock. And what a, what a Pinnock she is. Going to miss this holiday. She's on holiday in Barbados at the moment. Everybody's, everybody's in Barbados. I must be the only one who's not in Barbados at the moment. I must get myself a pair of Speedos once I've lost the wait in time for Tuesday for the photo session. And then I can go over there. Uh, the, I mentioned the Cavern Club club owner Ray McFall, who helped the Beatles find fame. 
292 gigs they played down there. The place was about the size of a postage stamp. I mean, really, really tiny. Really, really tiny. What's this? Stargazers have a once-in-a-lifetime chance to glimpse on a glowing green comet. Comet Lovejoy is making its closest approach to Earth and will not return for 8,000 years. It's a 44 million mile away journey, but it can be seen for the next two weeks. On a clear night, it appears as a soft glowing ball through a softly, sorry, through a small telescope or binoculars. Astronomer Robert Skaggle said it's quite pretty. Comet Lovejoy. You see, I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff. I was talking to a friend of mine, Mark, the other day about, you know, space infinity and, you know, the fact we wanted to be like Star Trek and it's not like Star Trek at all. It just goes on and on and on and it's big voids and it's dangerous out there. But I just I just quite like the idea of going there and seeing how far you can go. But I have a feeling we'd be burnt up long before that. Everybody agrees with Jan Moyer and the advice that she's given to Prince Harry. Don't go down the Prince Andrew route because uh, it's backfired on him spectacularly, spectacularly. A new series of Stars in Their Eyes, which is coming out. They haven't said who's going to be appearing, but Harry Hill's on it, so you know it's going to be brilliant. Love Harry Hill. Love Harry Hill to pieces. It's a mix between celebrating Stars in Their Eyes and taking the mickey out of it. Tonight, Steve, I'm going to be James (sighs) O'Brien. I've got a bottle of port. Um, No, sorry. Cruel of me, honestly, to say things like that. Really, he's not here to defend himself. Don't worry, I'll do it on the phone to him. We can make him defend himself that way. Other stories in the papers, uh, which you're going to be uh, getting a little bit later on. I can't work out how Angelina Jolie, unless she is terribly, terribly well connected, gets to meet the Pope. She gets an audience with him, and I, I think the the children go as well. And um, I mean, whether or not she's perhaps she sent him a free free autograph picture or something. Perhaps the Pope's impressed by this kind of thing. Perhaps he th- even though everybody said she was no talent in Hollywood, although William Hague fawned over her like a lovesick Bambi. I'm afraid. Eight four eight five zero stevenlbc.co.uk. And here is this poor rugby player, the poor rugby player called Carl Griffiths. He's twenty two. He's six foot eight inches tall. Six foot eight inches is enormous. He needs a size twenty one. In shoes. Uh, he's been playing for his team in a size 18. Well, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, how stupid. He's a size 21 and he's playing in an 18. That's like me being a size 11 but playing in a 9. You couldn't even walk. Anyway, now they've fallen apart. And so he's looking for, uh, for help to find a new pair that fits so he can play again for Trimsaren RFC in Carmarthenshire. Carl says, it's very frustrating. I just want to play... Rugby. One sports chain quoted him £300 for bespoke boots, but he hopes to find a cheaper pair. At least I've stopped growing, so new ones should last. The trouble is, Carl, you know, I think it's false economy to go for to go for little, you know, cheaper. If they say £300 for, for bespoke, then I think you should pay £300 for bespoke. I and mean, actually, that's not too bad, £300. For bespoke, you know, football, rugby boots, that's not bad at all. Don't go for cheaper because they won't last you as long. Definitely not. Kevin the Milkman says, I watched the opening show of Celebrity Big Brother and I thought that Katie Hopkins looked really hot. Do I need help? Yes. When you say she looked really hot, do you mean she looked as though she should have been set on fire, like Joan of Arc or something like that? You think she looked hot? The trouble is she comes up with rubbish. She comes up with absolute garbage. And and she thinks that she goes, oh, I'm not bothered by what people say about me. Of course she is. Of course she is. Of course she is. Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be, says Ian... Glenn Miller went through the doorway. Nobody's seen him since. That's it. You know, it's when they sort of come back and they get Jerry Springer, I think, was Elvis Presley. They never looked like these people. 
Eamon Holmes was on it, but there again, I mean, there's no, you have to find a fat celebrity, because otherwise, you know, what, what point is we're putting Eamon on there? Actually, luckily, recently, we've not seen Eamon on hardly anything on the telly, which can only be good news, as far as I'm concerned, because he was on just about everything. He was on just about everything. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, another one says here, do you know anything about uh, the Royals? Yeah. Loads. Yeah. I'm a big royal fan. I follow it all right. And uh, one here, it's not true that Eugenie doesn't work. None of them work. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. They're just sponge, don't they? We know what they do, Aggie. They sponge, love. It's interesting to note that um, she says um, William and Harry that Tiggy Leg Bork looked after. Yeah, that's what we said. We know exactly what's going on. But uh, you're obviously not a royal fan, you see, unlike me. I'm a fan of the royals and I like them a lot. Still to come, 30 minutes. We'll go through the front pages of the uh, the papers. We'll give you a rundown on what Nick Ferrari is doing on his programme this morning. Uh, the village where they all got caught speeding in six days, because apparently that's what we do in this country. We speed. We speed. Uh, after the gales, the snowstorms which are on the way. M&S suffers dire trading. It's the quality, I'm afraid. It's the quality. The rapist, Ched Evans, finally says sorry, kind of. Sally the Burke, out of the jump. Apparently she's injured herself. So there you go. There is a god. The cops are closing in on the Paris killers. They've narrowed it down a little bit. The armed robber who took a minicab wearing his mask and then took it off. You can't believe it. Tiny Temper loses yet more street cred. And the world's most unwanted dog finds lots of friends. It's LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. For that, we should be eternally grateful. What a week it has been. Uh, the £260 facial, the dermatologists say, please don't waste your money. Uh, Lara Stone, the wife of David Walliams, sent death threats by Justin Bieber fans because she posed with him for an underpants commercial. M&S suffering dire trading. Tesco shedding 43 stores. It's their Tesco Expresses that aren't making the money, so they've decided to cut their losses and try and save a lot of money. Uh, the armed robber who took the minicab with his mask on. You couldn't actually believe it. He's been sent to prison for ten years. He really is that stupid. Tiny Temper uses more street cred. I thought he used to be really credible. Now, he's just turned into such a wuss. And the world's most unwanted dog has got lots of friends. And a New Year's prayer for you today. Lord, grant me strength. I may not fall into the clutches of cholesterol. At polyunsaturates, I'll not mutter, for the road to hell is paved with butter. Cake is cursed and cream is awful, and Satan lurks in every waffle. Beelzebub is a chocolate drop, and Lucifer a lollipop. Teach me the evils of hollandaise, of pasta, and dollops of mayonnaise. And crisp fried chicken from the south. Lord, if you love me, shut my mouth. So there you go. Thank you very much indeed, Sharon, who's in London, South East 12. So I'm looking forward to reading your book. Me too. Me, you and me together. How exciting is that? <laughs> How exciting is that one? Let's go through the uh, the front pages of the papers for this morning, being Friday. Um, none that wonder. Not many people like or want the royal family, says Paul. Oh, I think they do. I think that I think there's still a lot of support for the royal family. I love I love supporting the royal family. Not all of them. Not don't get me wrong. You know, the ones who have brought shame on the royal family, the Prince Andrews, you've got to get rid of. I think they just sort of shove them out somewhere and just sort of leave them there. It's not exactly going kind to of contribute a great deal, no matter what Boris might tell you. You know, for the, for the, for the members of the public, I think they just, they just don't like certain members of the royal family, and I think he would probably be top of most people's list. The Daily Mirror for today, the terror bloodbath in Paris, MI5 boss, Britain is a target. I would have thought that was... Uh, a foregone conclusion that yes, we would be a target. Can we stop it? Uh, can we stop anything happening? Probably not. 
Probably not. When you look at the uh, the French police out there the other day, the special forces combing northern France for the uh, Quachi brothers, they will find them. And either it'll be a shootout, I can almost confidently predict this, or they'll shoot themselves. It's as simple as that. They've obviously, they know that they've, they've done wrong. They're, they're either too stupid or they've got some screws loose somewhere. But uh, they will be hunted down. They, they don't waste time. Is anyone you see the... Um, the police in the outskirts of uh, of Paris. And you realise how deserted these places are. It's going to be fairly easy to find these brothers. And they'll probably find them, I should imagine, before the uh, the weekend. Before the weekend. At some point over the weekend, there will be a clue linking them. Um, and the uh, one of the papers is saying today, now we're all targets. We probably are. Al-Qaeda, they say, is planning outrage in Britain. Jihadists from Syria to hit transport and iconic targets. And I wouldn't be at all surprised at that. The one thing we have to be is vigilant. The one thing that we have to be is uh, is people who are aware of who is around us. You know, what could be a target? All sorts of things. All sorts of things. It's up to you to do your bit. The police will do their bit and the special forces will do their bit. And together we can overcome this. Because even though the threat might spread to the UK, it could equally, it could equally spread to any other countries around the world. There's a freelance journalist in the paper today. This is uh, Singling Visson who was in the, Maris, uh, the magazine's Paris headquarters when the two men burst in. One of the killer gunmen screamed at his partner, we don't shoot women, we don't shoot women. And so they didn't. And yet, strangely enough, they do shoot women because they went out and shot a, a female cop. But they say that the net is closing in. Everybody has stood resolutely behind everybody in France. When you look at the, uh, the French police and what they wear, it's like, it is like Robocop. It seriously is. But now they're looking at them. They uh, uh, One of the... Uh, one of the people, a suspected getaway driver, has handed himself into police. Presumably, as I said yesterday, if it is the person who was involved in it, he didn't want to go down in a hail of bullets. At least if he's, uh, if he's with the police, he obviously thinks he's reasonably safe. I wouldn't guarantee it. In Sydney, they held, uh, they held mass demonstrations against this atrocity. And in London, the same thing happened as well. It's, um, it's a wooded area. They think the brothers are holed up in. And uh, they will find them. Born into poverty, twisted by radical preachers, the merciless brothers with only hatred in their heart. Sadly pathetic. Sadly pathetic. Useless, I'm afraid. But it's the radical preachers, isn't it? The ones who don't actually do anything. The ones who are just basically useless people. They just go out there and a few sheep follow them around and that's about as bad as it gets, I'm afraid. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk uh, The Express today. The tale of the abandoned dog in his suitcase. It's a Sharpay. Um... He's got to have an operation on his eyes because his Sharpay's flesh falls over their eyes, so they have to have an operation to take to cut the flesh back so that the poor thing can see properly. Um, but when they opened his little suitcase, they suddenly realised that he'd been sitting there for ages on the pavement, as dogs do, and he's a lovely dog. He'll have, he'll have no difficulty finding an owner who does love him. Seriously. Uh, in fact, already people are crawling out of the woodwork to try and adopt him because they love him so much. And... Um, when they opened his suitcase, they found his favourite pillow and his bowl and some food, bless his heart. But he sat there waiting. He just sat there sort of staring into the distance. You, saw, you felt immensely sorry for him. A friend of mine's just bought a little dog. Uh, and he's got a, a shop in, in Twickenham. They, they do framing. And he's bought himself a little, I think it's a pug. I think it's a pug. I'm I'm, I might have done it a disservice. It might not be a pug. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not very big. It's called Lulu. Which is hilarious because I've got another friend of mine whose dog's called Lulu as well. Anyway, so he's got this little thing and it's it's tiny, and I don't really do tiny dog, but this one's actually quite cute and it barks as well, which is even more appealing. 
And, because uh, you don't expect little, because when they bark, they kind of sort of take a step backwards. They can't believe the noise that they've made. And I said, I said, how much do dogs cost? Not really knowing, because I, I, if I was going to buy a dog, I would probably get a rescue dog. But I'm not getting a dog, so don't worry about it. And, um, and he said it was uh, 2,000. I said, what, pounds? Think, I've never heard of a dog that cost £2,000 before. Seems an awful lot of money. Hopefully tax deductible. Hopefully tax deductible. Uh, 84850. Kevin says it's small wonder that the Tesco Expresses are losing money. On my round, and I imagine most of London, there are Tesco extras only three to four hundred yards apart. Yes, I mean, it makes you... I mean, I don't know what, what makes a profitable shop. Sometimes they open up and it puts the local shops out of business. Because the... Um, because the Tesco Express will stay open longer and later than the other ones, and people would rather use those than use the corner shops. So whether or not now the corner shops are going to start opening up again, I've got no idea. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Apparently the M25 clockwise overturned lorry down to one lane just before the M40 junction 17 to 16. I'm sure that uh, our travel team will be on that in a matter of seconds. Uh, The Sun... They're running the, the Tesco ad on the front page. It's a, sort of one of those, you have a, a fold-out cover thing. Uh, talk about Katie Hopkins. She says, I'm locked in with a bunch of loons who are only interested in one thing themselves. She, of course, is part of that, that loony brigade. The cop squad's closing in on the Paris killers. One is Pothead, pizza shop rapper. Uh, outspoken Sally Burko, nothing outspoken about her. Sally the Burke, she's known as. Crashed out of the jump after fracturing two ribs. But uh, there's still a few other people. They, they've had loads of... Uh, the problems before. Henry Conway, whoever he is, apparently crashed out. Melinda Messenger crashed out. And loads of other people suffered injuries. Darren Goff, Steve Redgrave, Marcus Brigstock, and uh, Sam L. Jones. Sam J. Jones, the actor, did, uh, did something to his shoulder. So now we've got rid of the Sally the Burke. There you go. There is a god. It's fantastic. I'm so sorry, sort of, says Ched Evans. Uh, in front of the mail today, we could be... The next target, as the Paris killers are hunted in the forest, MI5's chilling warning. I think we've always known that. They're not telling us anything we don't know. It's just to make sure that you're even more vigilant than you were before. And if you're a worrier, here's one thing you don't have to fret about. Your intelligence. If you fret about things, it means you're more intelligent than anybody else. Fantastic. I fret about things. Do you fret about things as well? Both are, we're both super intelligent. Because su- you don't fret about anything, do you? Certainly didn't the other day. I was on a fast, Beth. I don't want to go into it and make a big deal about it. But I'm on a fast where I haven't eaten any food for 12 hours. My little body has gone to, literally, it's wandered off by itself. And he sits there eating a muffin in front of me. I mean, you know, the ultimate in cruelty. The ultimate. And I had, sat it, and I had to try and do a programme. And my, and my little stomach is curling up inside. And I, I thought, I'm going to die. And it's really horrible. And he just, and the more, more... The more I sort of derived misery from it, the more pleasurable it seemed to become for him as he shoved yet more of it. He didn't even bother to share. didn't share it or anything like that. didn't say, I'll save you a small piece of this very expensive muffin, which apparently came from the Savoy. So I sat here, but don't worry, I got my own back later. I had a Greg's pasty and four pieces of toast. Nothing frightens me. It's quarter past six. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. I was waiting for a jingle. I was waiting. Perhaps they'd wandered off, bless their hearts. Anyway, nice to have you company. 6.20 LBC. And it's Steve Allen with you for about uh, another ten minutes. Uh, front page of the Telegraph today is the armed police close in on the Paris terrorists. The head of MI5 says atrocity by jihadists in Britain is almost inevitable. Uh, the suspects linked to the Finsbury Park Mosque disciples. Uh, the Telegraph also 
Talking about the flu cases soaring, and uh, I, I bear witness to this, because I've had this cough now. Well, in fact, people keep saying to me, we've had it for ages and ages. And uh, they've now said a strain of flu, which is not covered by the uh, the seasonal vaccine, is contributing to a majority rise in emergency hospital admissions amid a spiralling NHS crisis and figures suggesting that a million people a year are turning to A&E departments because they can't get to see their GPs. Do you know, I must be, I must be out on a limb on this one. Because I go in to see, as you know, I had a, an appointment for my bloods the other day with a phlebotomist. And uh, it was for 10 to 3 in the afternoon, a little bit late for the bloods anyway. And so when I got back home, I thought, I'm not sure I can actually fast for the remainder of the day. I think I'll fall apart. I was sort of desperate to have something to eat and take my medication. And uh, so I, I literally phoned up and said, is there any chance of an earlier appointment? And they went, um, pop round now. So I pop round then. I mean, you know, my, my doctors is fantastic. I appreciate that in some parts of the country, they're probably so terribly overworked. But this is a very busy surgery as well. They've got about six or seven GPs in the, in the practice. But they're always terribly accommodating, terribly polite, terribly accommodating. Nothing ever too much trouble. They always say, sometimes they'll say, because they know me, they'll say, listen, have a seat. We'll see if we can get somebody to see you. And you think, That's, it's brilliant. So I have no complaints whatsoever. I really wouldn't want to go and clog up A&E. I really wouldn't. I know some people seem to enjoy sitting in A&E forever and a day. I'm not one of them. Uh, Independent hunted down the heavily armed police forces flooding the normally tranquil villages north of Paris. But the search so far has drawn a blank. They will find them. They will find them. It's not it's not going to be that difficult. At some point, they're going to have to come out and they're either going to uh, do a shootout or failing that, you know, they're uh, they're dead already. They say they may be hiding in a forest, but it's not that easy, so they'll have to bring in all sorts. They've brought in low-level helicopters. Uh, the stolen car was abandoned in the area along with petrol bombs, so they found the car that they stole to start with. They also say on the front of the Times this morning, this is uh, MI5, uh, that terror cells are plotting attacks on British landmarks, as indeed we thought they, they would. I've always thought that we would be a target. Why not? Anybody Anywhere around the world can be a target. So I see no reason why why we wouldn't be. We just have to be extra vigilant. And then Lady Hambledon makes all the papers today. The reason being that uh, she was selling uh, a number of works from her manor house. Uh, One of them uh, was valued by one particular um, auction house at around about seven to eight hundred pounds. As it turned out, it picked up three and a half thousand pounds. And um, she said it's lovely. It was it was a bit uh, a bit dirty and a bit mucky, but uh, they've had it cleaned up. It's turned out to be a constable. It's turned out to be a constable worth about two million pounds, and I believe it's coming up for for auction again. I mean, there was another one actually, a painting sold for forty two thousand by Sotheby's, later claimed to be a Caravaggio, worth more than ten million. I mean, that's currently being held in the High Court because it must be incredibly difficult. To try and work out, you know, how, I mean, how you work out whether something is by a particular artist, I don't know. I'm always in envy of those people. We used to do autographs on LBC with uh, a lady called Poppy from Fraser's in the, sta- in the Strand. And they do uh, the valuation. And people would phone up and say, oh, I've got uh, a Beatles autograph. I've got all four Beatles autographs on a piece of paper. And uh, she would look at me and raise her eyebrows because there's so few genuine Beatles autographs. Some were done by Autopen, which was an automatic machine. Other Beatles signed for everybody else. So in other words, if, if, if John and George had disappeared off drinking for the night, then the other two would write their autographs. So unless you physically saw the Beatles writing four separate autographs, the chances are you've got a copycat. 
And uh, she would say to somebody, if, if it's genuine and you've got all four, it can be thousands. But nine out of ten, she could look at it and go, no, that's George. George wrote that. George signed for, for, for Ringo and John signed for Paul and they all did it. Or failing that, they had the auto pen in the office. And the girls just put the cards underneath and the auto pen did it in ink. And and you would believe, because it's it's copied from exactly the same thing. It's a very clever little invention. So to find these things out, there are ways. So I suppose if you see a painting and you go, well, I don't know, you know, perhaps they might have had an off day. They might not have spotted it being a constable being dirty. When it's all been cleaned up, three and a half thousand turns into two million. That's quite a lot of money. Now, whether or not, you know, you can, you know, it, it is, it's a bit difficult. It might just be somebody who follows Somebody who follows a particular artist, so they could do it in the same style. Lady Hambledon uh, sold Hambledon Manor and its estate, which included 44 houses, a pub and a village store. She sold it in 2007 for £39 million. Shouldn't imagine £2 is going to make too much difference. But there you go, it's, it's a nice sort of thing to have, isn't it? Sadly, we've got no more time, which means that uh, you will be joining us on Sunday morning on LBC because we'll be here between five and eight, between five and six in conversation. This week it's Carol Decker and uh, Dr Dawn as well. So we talk sort of medical thing, not sort of too too many medical things. Uh, with Carol Decker, we talk about all sorts of things. She lost her mother, sadly, in October. So for anybody who's in a, in a similar position, the, the conversation will ring true for you. She has a new album out and they're touring as well. The programme is repeated on Sunday evening between nine and ten. So I'll be here live on Sunday morning between six and eight with the Sunday papers where we wander through and we become slightly irreverent. I don't I don't like to be too irreverent about the Sunday papers, but believe you me, um, we do sometimes rip into them, depending on what the story is about. Phil says, why are surgeries called practices? Will they ever get it right? And uh, another one here. Uh, and this is, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's from me, actually. I just read, it was mine. I was reading my own emails. Slight, slight change now. And uh, the M25 uh, backing up anti-clockwise due to an accident near the M40. A lot of people saying we won't be missing the Tesco Metro stores. Terrible service. Well, if they, if they don't turn over the business, they're going to close them. 43 of them. And I think around about uh, 1,000 staff will probably go at the same time. Have yourself a, a great weekend. Enjoy the weather. Let's hope it doesn't snow, shall we? Let's hope. Don't forget you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. Download the LBC app or there's TuneIn Radio as well. And if you missed any of today's show, there's our podcast service. No free podcasts for today due to technical difficulties. At seven, it's Nick Ferrari. Next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.